0: Canucks Central Wednesday. It is a draft central edition of the show. Yes, it's Stan Riccio and Satyar Shah here in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Stan Riccio, Satyar Shah, producers Josh Elliott-Wolf, and Fast Eddie Gregory with us today for a special first round edition of the NHL entry draft. We will bring you every single pick here of the first round. And tomorrow we will have wall-to-wall coverage as day two begins. The Canucks selecting at 11th overall, as we know, the Chicago Blackhawks with the first overall pick and expected to select North Vancouver's Connor Bedard with that selection. We will have the clock started in about 10 minutes time Gary Bettman is going to speak in six minutes time Mm -hmm. and uh, until then let's start to go through some of what we might see here in this first round there was a couple of moves today we'll get to some of those and talk and weave that conversation in throughout the picks as well of the first round today sat but um, focus on the Canucks At 11th overall, and what they might do here with that selection.
1: What are the Canucks going to do, right? And I I think it's becoming clear that Vancouver is going to be able to get pretty much anything they want at the 11th spot. Do you want a defenseman, a lefty or righty? Do you want a center? Do you want a goal scorer? Do you want a playmaker? You have your choice of every single one of those types of guys in the same tier which makes this draft so fascinating in terms of which way you want to go. So if you really want to go by BPA, you can look at look at it any way you want. What's been fascinating is the buzz around the Canucks that they like Nate Danielson, and they also yes. like Tom Willander. And which one of these players do they like more than the other? And if both players are available, who do they take? But the bigger question, which looms large for the Canucks, if they like both these guys as much as it's being reported they are, Dan, well either one or neither yes. even be available for Vancouver at number 11 and that's what's so fascinating about this year's draft and we haven't even got to the higher end yes Who's going to be available and how unpredictable that's going to be this year?
0: There are a couple of things, a couple of wild cards that are at play here in the first few picks. Uh, speculation picking up today that uh, Leo Carlson might go second overall to the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Corey Proman of The Athletic in his latest mock saying that the majority of his sources believe Carlson will be the pick for the Anaheim Ducks. So that's... Uh, A thing of interest. We know the Montreal Canadiens have been at least receiving phone calls about the number five pick in the draft, which they currently own. They haven't gotten anything currently that has um, seduced them enough into giving up that fifth overall selection, but that could be in play. And as we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, Sat, there's a, a strong sense of who the top eight is going to be. Now, the exact order of it may be up to you and your personal preference but the top eight of bedard carlson pantilli smith reinbacher leonard mitchkoff dvorsky seems to be the top eight and then at number nine with the detroit red wings that's kind of where things really start to get murky as to what might happen
1: yeah and it's really fascinating at nine because you're right it's hard to get a read on what Steve Eiserman is oh, going Steve to Oh, Steve
0: Eiserman wouldn't tell his own children what he's going to do at the draft tonight.
1: Yeah, and we've heard just about everything. We've heard <laughs> that, hey, they may have interest in Benson. We've heard they may have interest in Willander. Yeah. We've heard they may have interest in Nate Danielson. Pretty much every player has been linked to them in that range. So it makes it very difficult to nail down what they're going to take. The question is, where does Zach Benson fall? Yeah. In many people's eyes, he's a top six, seven, eight prospect in this year's draft. Shouldn't fall out of top 10. Yep. Yeah. And if he's there, the first litmus test begins. Mm-hmm. A team like Detroit, yep. a, a talent evaluator like Steve Eisenman, are they going to take him? And if they do, well, I think then it makes it fascinating, it makes it interesting for the other players available, centers and defensemen. But if he doesn't, does that really start the long slide here for Zach Benson? And is Vancouver a team that views him like one of those prospects that Alvin referred to? maybe something happens and we get a guy we have we didn't think was were gonna going get to get
0: You know, he's been, if you look at the, the various prospect websites, you might see him anywhere in the top 10, fifth best player available, those kinds of things. Always uh, like to note that NHL teams may have their draft boards differently than some of the prospect, industri- prospect media industry may have them. Benson is uh, an unbelievable talent. Uh, among the best vision in the draft we spoke to him here on the show has a really good head for the game great motor great vision impressive two-way play even as as a winger so there's a lot to like about benson but it comes down to the age-old question you know how is it going to translate mm-hmm. when you are five nine five nine five ten and undersized In every which way possible. And we've seen those players just end up falling down draft boards before. We can all remember here in Vancouver with Cole Caulfield as well.
1: Yeah, we've seen that in the past. Now, Cole Caulfield was also a higher level goal scorer. Yes. and Which he kind of had that real separating talent. And the separating talent for Zach Benson seems to be his IQ and his compete level. Yeah. Doesn't have the size, doesn't have the shot, doesn't have the speed. But can he do things? Because he's so smart and such a hard and competitive worker
0: those are uh, some of the things that are going to have to factor in here for Benson I know a lot of our listeners and you can always chime in 650 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox what do you think about Zach Benson would you like the Canucks to take him if he's there at 11 the other part is we know Reinbacher's going in the top eight and before we get to Gary Bettman a quick thought on the other defenseman Lander, we've talked a lot about. Simashev is there as well. And Palika, who seems to have dropped down a little bit in terms of hype as we've gotten closer to draft night here.
1: Yeah. I mean, Reinbacher is, is obviously considered the number one defenseman so far. One thing that I that I don't really get is this push now for people saying, oh, he has a limited ceiling and that's why maybe you want to see other guys go mm-hmm. above him. And it's like, he did Something unprecedented this year <laughs> playing with pros. And yeah. what's this notion of a higher ceiling? So, if you're saying, okay, well, there's a world where Axel Sandeem Palika becomes Eric Carlson, it's like, okay, yeah, because of his skating and his offensive ability, he maybe could, but there's a greater chance he's nowhere near.
2: And yeah. just
1: because he may have that and Reinbacher doesn't, doesn't mean Reinbacher isn't going to end up being the better, more complete defenseman, anyways.
0: Reinbacher has long been the consensus number one defenseman available in the draft. A lot of people have really started to like Dmitry Shimishev Obviously, coming out of Russia, there's a big conversation there. And, of course, Tom Willander, who we've been telling you about, well, Sat's been telling you about for the last couple of months here on the show. Let's take you to Nashville as Gary Bettman and, uh, well, David Poyle, special guest, get to the podium. Nashville. welcome
3: to all the prospects, family members, and friends, and especially the hockey fans here with us in Bridgestone Arena. And welcome to the many more watching around the world. Welcome to the 2023 Upper Deck NHL Draft. Two nights ago in this building, we honored the very best of the spectacular 2022-23 NHL season at the NHL Awards. Tonight and tomorrow, We celebrate the future of our clubs. So that means we'll have had two major NHL events within four days in Nashville. The city, this city also has hosted a previous draft and within the last seven years, an all-star game, a stadium series game, and a Stanley Cup final. There should be no doubt that Nashville loves and supports NHL hockey, so thank you. And with the wonderful history of the Predators, it is worth noting that no one has done more over the last 26 years to build this model franchise and the City of Nashville into a destination hockey market than David Poyle. David, as this is your 26th and final draft as General Manager of the Predators, your 40th draft as an NHL General Manager, the League and the Preds want to honor you on this special occasion. And to do so, I'm enlisting the help of a couple of your best all-time draft picks. The 38th overall pick in the 2008 draft and current captain of the Predators, Roman Yossi. And and an all-time late-round gem, the Preds' eighth-round pick in 2004, and franchise icon, Pekka Rene.
1: David, um, as a thank you, we want to present you this guitar from Gibson, so thank you Gibson. I um, just want to say thank you for everything you've done uh, for the NHL, but especially for Nashville. Um, you're the reason this place is called Smashville, so from the bottom of our heart, thank you very much, and we hope you enjoy retirement.
4: Thank you. Uh, Roman and Pekka, thank you for your wonderful gift. It's, uh, it's beautiful. And uh, Gary, thank you for the, the kind words uh, in your introduction. In uh, 1997, I came here with the goal and the vision to make Nashville a successful hockey city. A general manager is only good as, as the people around him, and I've been very fortunate to work with many great people on and off the ice who have shared my goals and vision. Thank you to every one of my colleagues, past and present, and thank you to the Smashville's great fans for making Nashville one of the most successful and passionate cities in the National Hockey League. And as I pass the torch to Barry Trotz, I am very confident that the best is yet to come for the Nashville Predators. May this this year's draft class enjoy a great success. Good luck to all the players and all the teams. Nashville, thank you for the greatest 26 years in my hockey career. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Roman and Pekka. David, congratulations. And it's time to get to work. You can do better than that. Now you're talking. The first pick in the 2023 NHL draft belongs to the Chicago Blackhawks. Chicago, you're on the clock.
0: So there is Gary Bettman and uh, David Poyle speaking at the podium. Uh, Poyle, obviously, longtime GM and uh, everything Nashville Predators up mm-hmm. until this point. So he gets a nice little sendoff here at the NHL entry draft. And we are started with the Chicago Blackhawks on the clock. Let's see how long they take before they run up to select North Vancouver's own Connor Bedard.
1: So right now the NHL draft, because we saw the schedule, is about two minutes behind schedule. Yes, they're, they they were hoping to put Chicago on the clock at four twelve yes. Pacific time. Um, so does Chicago help us out, out by buying uh, a couple minutes, giving the two minutes back by making a quicker selection? <laughs> um, I, I think they're going to take their time here. It seems like, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't. It's just one of those things, I guess. They just want to savor it. But we all know it's going to be Connor Bedard. I think there's only, I think one question about Connor Bedard. It's not, will he be great? It's how great is he going to be?
0: Yeah. And there's a sort of a feeling, you know, when it comes to first overall selections, you know, everybody wants their first overall pick to be a Connor McDavid or a Austin Matthews. And, you know, Bedard does have an incredible level of talent, uh, but, you know conor mcdavid's in his own tier <laughs> yes right so if he's uh, not that level of dominant you know he could still be one of the most dominant players in the national hockey league
1: yeah and i mean i think in terms of what type of player is he going to be there is i mean if you want to look at any downside to him and i don't think there's a lot i mean yes he's not the biggest player mm-hmm. but is he going to be a center? Yeah he may end up being a winger, a really high-end, high-scoring winger. And I think that's the only real downside, potentially, to him not being the player people had hoped.
0: He has the uh, smarts and everything else uh, to be a play driver from the wing, if that is the case. The Chicago Blackhawks are making their way with a large entourage to the podium in Nashville to make the first overall selection in this year's NHL Entry Draft.
5: Chicago Blackhawks would first like to recognize the incredible career of David Poyle and congratulate him on his retirement. We'd also like to congratulate the Vegas Golden Knights on their Stanley Cup Championship. And We'd like to say hi to all of the Blackhawks fans back in Chicago at the Salt Shed, the Blackhawks fans here tonight, and all the Blackhawks fans watching around the world. And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard.
0: Now, yeah, no surprise as Connor Bedard is selected first overall to the Chicago Blackhawks. I know a lot of our listeners uh, have thoughts about that, but if you saw the video with Kyle Davidson today, uh, he was very confident that uh, it was not rigged for the Chicago Blackhawks during <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> I mean, the NHL entry draft.
1: Yeah, these things can't be rigged either. I, I know yes. people have their conspiracies, but let, let's just put it this way if anybody found out. That yeah. it was rigged, or they they could get to the bottom of it. We're talking about massive antitrust yes. violations and jail time for the commissioner and and people. It really would put the honestly the, the entire league at at a state of I wouldn't say it's going to fold, but it'd be in a very precar- uh, precarious position. So let's just put it that way. Regardless. Carmen Bedard, it sucks that he's with the Chicago Blackhawks. Yes. Honestly, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks that a kid from BC grew up as a Canucks fan, loves the Canucks, yeah. is now playing for that despicable organization. I'm just put it that
0: way. Yeah, uh, and we're all on board with those same <laughs> thoughts. Uh, Chicago's uh, done some work this week. They added Taylor Hall and Nick Felino in a trade from the Bruins, which alleviated some of the Boston Bruins salary cap concerns. They are in a tear it down all the way to the studs type of rebuild, and are now going to be able yeah. to build it around Connor Bedard.
1: Yeah, and, and a live look into our Dunbar Lumber text Unbox 650-650. Raymond, this is still so sickening. The Hawks <laughs> got the first pick. Uh, and this It looks- hurts more now than it
0: did uh, during the draft lottery, I would imagine, for a lot of our listeners. Yeah, it's 100%. It's too real
1: now. It is too real, <laughs> like Josh says. And uh, Kurt from Latner, I'm throwing up and punching in the air, enjoying for five years before he comes home. Is what he says, uh, Bettman playing the heel well,
0: says yes. uh, Marcus in Gibson's, and uh, we always know Gary Bettman knows how to play the heel really well. You know, the, the, the thing that you know, Connor Bedard, the, the one trait that he is unable to overcome is you know, he doesn't have the same size as you see a lot of first overall picks have the shot, the smarts, everything else you know this is a player that's going to get into the national hockey league next season and we can expect him to have a decent amount of yeah. success oh. I, I don't like I, he's not going to score 40 goals next year but I don't know. he's still
1: going i don't i don't know <laughs> i'm not going to put anything on okay. Connor. Bernard. Yeah, that's fair it's i don't fair. know like i don't know if he's going to score 40 it's it's really difficult um but obviously the league is now trending towards a certain position the argument against him is probably the team doesn't have enough support for him Yeah, to help him out. He's and, used to that. Yeah. <laughs> as, what, as what happened in Regina this yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I know that he's going to have a good season. I don't know how great it's going to be. I'm not going to put any ceiling on him, but let's also remember in terms of size, like, you know, Sidney Crosby, also 5'11. Yeah. You know, now he's, he's shorter than Sidney Crosby. Yeah. But. You know, there is precedent for a generational talent being under six feet tall and being drafted first overall. Crosby has one of the most powerful lower halves I've ever seen in my life. Yes, it's true. Now, Bedard, maybe not quite the same, but for a kid who's 18, he's pretty powerful. He's young already, too. He's filled in really well. He can fill in more his frame. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to be a real load to try to get off the puck in a few years. Yeah,
0: increased his speed and his quickness this year, and and you saw that separation, you know, and... So many different areas of his game, some of the WHL playoffs and even uh, going back to the World Juniors where he was an absolute star. So the draft starts at number two, does it, Sat, as the Anaheim Ducks are going to be on the clock here. And they have a really interesting choice between Leo Carlson, Adam Fantilli, potentially Matt Faye-Mitchkoff.
1: Yeah, and there is... You know, some rumors make in the rounds that maybe just maybe the Apple and Verbeek's eye is yeah. not Fantilli. And like it's been suggested, there have been so many rumors about what Anaheim's going to do or not going to do that mm-hmm. I think um, we all have to kind of just wait and see <laughs> what happens here. But I would say this. So I know people compare Adam Fantilli to Ryan Getzlaff a little bit. Yeah. I actually think the player who's the closest to Ryan Getzlaff is Leo Carlson in this draft not in terms of physicality and toughness, although Leo plays hard too and, and can be physical, but in terms of big center, guy who controls the game at pace, works, knows how to uh, control the walls, great playmaker. And, you know, Pat wasn't there, obviously, when gets that played there, but organizationally, I th- I, you know, the scouts and everything, I think they look at him and say, like, he could, he could be the sweetest version of that. Yeah. And if, if that's something you can get, I don't know, I, I understand people that have Carlson above Fantilli. It's, uh... His vision really pops uh, in in
0: the video that I watched of of Carlson playing. I mean, you saw it a little bit at the World Championships, too, just how much he was able to still have success there playing with men as a draft-eligible player. Now, Fantilli was there for Canada as well, so both players had that experience as draft-eligibles and did have success, but... (laughs) the. This was always a very close conversation between these two players, Fantilli and Carlson, and then it really started to shade towards Fantilli in the last couple of weeks. And now some of the speculation, some of the smoke, is giving some love to Leo Carlson. But there's also the biggest wild card of them all—that could be Matt Vay in this yeah. first round.
1: And I mean, that would be the the biggest shock here, right? Yeah. Now, in terms of overall pure talent and upside. Matvey mitchkov is probably number 2. Yeah. You know, and I think I think the I think it's more absurd to call Matvey mitchkov a player that should go, you know, outside the top 8 than to say he's a Russian Bedard. You know what I mean? Like he's he's not that like he's not Bedard. Mm-hmm. In terms of overall talent, but he's not that far off either. Not yeah. quite as dynamic, but his shot, his finishing, his smarts, his IQ, and and just how he sees the game and how he's able to create plays like he's a tremendous talent. Like he's he'd go first overall in so many drafts in the, in the past like seven or eight years, right? So I think on pure talent alone, he's mesmerizing. Yeah, is that something that Anaheim's going to do though? I, I still wonder about that at number two. Yeah, but. You know what? The fact that we're even wondering if that can happen I, I I think is welcome and I think makes this a lot of fun here because we were having discussions about Mitch, Mitch Goff perhaps sliding a bit, and based on everything we've heard the last couple of days, and perhaps this is just smoke yeah. and maybe not true, is that teams like Philly or Washington who would like him may have to try to trade up to acquire him.
0: It is uh, it is super interesting how that conversation has started to play out. You know, Are they trying to move up to five? in order to secure Michkoff, because, you know, as much as some teams, I know there were some reports that some teams just don't have Michkoff uh, on their boards because they think there are some character mm-hmm. issues there. I mean, how many of those teams are in the top seven or eight, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not too many of them. Uh, there's also, you know, the conversation of when you're going to get that player over. And three years, you know, some GMs just want to be able to bring that player over, sooner they want to be able to say that i i at least have a chance of seeing this guy play for my team and being able to help me get to where we need to go pat verbeek we don't know much about him he's kind of like uh steve eiserman who was uh he was under the tutelage of steve eiserman in detroit before becoming the gm of the anaheim ducks verbeek has kept a lot of things close to the vest And the Anaheim Ducks have their pick in at number two overall, and they are stepping up to the podium in Nashville to make their selection. We would like to welcome all our fans watching at our draft party at uh, Brewer X. With our first selection, we are proud to select from Orobro SHL, Leo Carlson. So there it is. Let's go. Uh, it was <laughs> getting a lot of hype going into this one. And second overall, it is Leo Carlson going to the Anaheim ducks. They take the big center out of Sweden who had a very, very strong year in the Swedish league.
1: Yeah. I honestly, I love it. Um, I- this is your guys. Yes, I I mean I've I, I love Leo Carlson's game. I think his vision, uh his his hands, his size, his ability to shield the puck and and make plays offensively, his effort defensively. Um and there's so many things that he can still improve in his game, and there's mm-hmm. so many projectable parts of his game. His skating is decent. He can get quicker and better on his edges, but it's all possible he doesn't have a really clunky bad stride that can't get uh, worked out there's there there aren't many flaws in his game yeah you know and I think Adam Fantilli is, a, is more of a dynamic powerful talent I'd say he's he's a guy that's probably going to create a bit more wow plays for you and he's going to be able to drive and do a lot of Rick Nash things but he doesn't have near in my opinion the cerebral playmaking ability and ability to control the game at standstill in the offensive zone almost Leon Dreisidel. yeah you know uh, Ryan Getzlevesk and come postseason those guys have success they eat in the playoffs and like we've seen in the past so uh, I think he's that type of player that if he hits I think he is a notch above Fantilli even though Fantilli is a Rick Nash type player which tells you he might end up being a winger too. Uh, 6'3
0: 200 pound centerman Leo Carlson to the Anaheim Ducks and joining quite the stable of young centermen on that duck squad, Of course they have Trevor Zegras there. Uh, Mason McTavish is a player. Uh, a lot of us really like and what he's able to represent for this team. So, you know, you look at the Pacific division and how Anaheim is lining up through the middle of the ice. They've already developed a pretty strong, you know, collection of young defensemen. If you look at Jamie Drysdale and, and what they've got on the back end Moving forward, last year getting Pavel Mintikov. They've had Olin Zellweger in the organization for a couple of years. Guys just absolutely dominated in the WHL for a little while now. So the Anaheim Ducks, while still a bit of a ways away, certainly a team on the rise and probably still going to struggle this upcoming season. Mm -hmm. But adding Leo Carlson to your stable just uh, is going to help you rebuild a little bit, I'd say.
1: I think so. I mean, I think um, he's one of those players that he's going to be a hit, I think. I mean, at the very least, he's going to be a center that's going to play in your top six and be an impact player on both ends of the ice, right? And you can already see the reaction on our text inbox. Boy, I think the Ducks are going to rue this day, not taking Adam Fantoli. And I love the the brass ones here on... um, On Verbeek, making the selection, because the easy choice and the choice that everybody wanted them to make, or seemingly, was Adam Fantilli. The easy choice, yes. That was the consensus choice by a lot of people. And, you know, like, if, if it turns out that, you know, Fantilli's the better player... The texture is right. It's going to be one of those you're going to look back and say, "Verbeek, like, you had the yeah. second pick, and that's where you decided to go." But I like this pick, like I said, because I would I would have done the same thing. Now, what do I know? Where I'm just here <laughs> to give an opinion and, and how I view things. Fantilli is incredible talent. But again, like if you think Fantilli is going to be Rick Nash, would you rather have Rick Nash or Ryan Getzlaff?
0: Ooh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have Ryan Getzlaff. So anyway, for player comps
1: and gets, I mean, get and, and Rick Nash had what a 60 goal year or like 50-some goal year. I mean, you're, we're talking about a guy that's pretty incredible.
0: That's really, you know, looking at comps like that does kind of put it into context a little bit more. You know, Fantilli, there is some wonder if he will play center at the National Hockey League level. So there's you know, still some question marks there for him. He was incredible at Michigan this year to score 65 points as a draft-eligible player in the NCAA Is nothing really to scoff at. So Mm -hmm. that's why there was such a good feel for Fantilli. Both of these prospects really great. And again, this is part of the thing about this specific draft here, Sad, is that there's like, you know, if you include Mitchkoff to Carlson and Fantilli, you have like four guys that in a lot of seasons might have been a number one selection.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that's why. These these picks are so coveted inside the top five, and even though these teams didn't win uh, the first selection in the draft, they're pretty excited about what what goes on here. We've already we've we've now entered a world, Dan, world where it seemed like the Columbus Blue Jackets wanted Will Smith all along, and perhaps would have taken him over. Leo Carlson was the buzz, and again, we don't know how much of this is true, but that kind of was yeah, the prevailing yeah. sentiment coming out of uh, the coverage around the draft this year, or at least it lasts a little bit. So how how dead set is CBJ on Will Smith? Because if they also view it as he can be a center, and they need a center, and it would be ironic that, you know, if they do take Fantilli, he ends up being a winger, and they still need another center long term. I mean, do we even have we entered the realm where it's possible Columbus even passes on Fantilli, and Fantilli's there at four? Is Fantilli's this year Shane Wright? Is that possible? (laughs) I mean
0: got going to find out. That one could be an interesting one. The pick is in for Jarmo Kekalainen and the Columbus Blue Jackets. They are just heading up to the podium right now. Again, Leo Carlson going second overall. That's the first surprise here of the night. So Adam Fantilli still on the board. And, of course, Will Smith still on the board here at the NHL entry draft. Let's take you back to Nashville for the Columbus Blue Jackets pick.
3: Thank you, Nashville. We appreciate the great time you've shown us all. Congratulations, Vegas. Um, To a a hockey lifer and a good friend, David Poyle, again, congratulations. Good man. Um, Our fans back in Columbus, they're called the fifth line. They are at pins in Easton. Have a party, gang. We appreciate you all. To make our pick, I'd like to invite our general manager, Jarmo Kekalainen.
6: columbus blue jackets are proud to select from university of michigan adam fantilli
0: the columbus blue jackets have long been looking for a franchise center and uh well they are hoping adam fantilli will be that for them they have such an interesting build going on with that team yeah and now you know Darmo Kekalainen, who may have been lining up and deciding between Carlson and Smith for so long, all of a sudden has Adam Fantilli land into his lap.
1: So, I mean, it seems like they're getting the guy they had number two on their list. Yeah. At number three, which I'm sure they are ecstatic about.
0: He, uh, he, it's about as much emotion as I've ever seen uh, Jarmo Kekalainen. <laughs> pretty much, yes. <laughs> Give he, to anybody. He
1: just got right to it as well. I love it. It's like, we got to go and pick this guy right away. Like, this is, this is pretty incredible.
0: So there's your first three picks. Connor Bedard first to Chicago. Anaheim gets Leo Carlson. And Adam Fantilli to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Let's take a quick reset. We'll come back with the San Jose Sharks pick at number four overall on Draft Central.
7: Big opinions and good bets.
0: It's the People Show with Big Nizar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get
2: your podcasts.
5: And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select. From the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard.
0: With our first selection, we are proud to select... For more, bro, SHL, Leo Carlson.
6: So there it is. Let's go. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets are proud to select from University of Michigan, Adam Fantilli.
0: Uh, very happy Armo line. And there was your top three in the NHL entry draft. We are here with Draft Central. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. We've got producers Josh elliott Wolf and Eddie Gregory with us as well. NHL draft coverage is brought to you by the Vancouver Giants, showcasing NHL prospect talents, including, including Samuel Hanzik, who's expected to go here in the first round tonight, and Jaden Lipinski. Come watch NHL talent in action this season. Go to VancouverGiants.com slash tickets. So there were your first three picks in the NHL entry draft, and it's uh, the San Jose Sharks on the clock with the next pick in the draft here it is
8: with the first selection overall the san jose sharks are proud to select will smith from the usa development
0: program that is patrick marlowe making the selection for general manager mike greer and will smith off the board so the top four goes as expected mm-hmm. In just a little bit of a different order here, Sat.
1: Yeah. uh, And I think the way it worked out, um, you probably thought that San Jose was going to get Will Smith all along at Mm -hmm. number four because of Carlson, Fantilli, and Bedard being the top three. The question always was Columbus. Yeah. And with uh, Anaheim taking Leo Carlson, then, you know, we we now saw this situation. I wonder if San Jose is happy or a little disappointed. Because yeah. I think they were kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, licking their chops at Leo Carlson being available there. Because, you know, as, as good as Will Smith is, and I think he's an incredible, incredibly talented player, and he has a lot of skill, and he's a very smart player at that, I think he's clearly... Yeah. in a in a lower tier than those three players. Yeah. So, uh I'd be I, I'd be really interested to know like deep down, are they kind of just mildly disappointed
0: a little bit? Uh San Jose's got a long road ahead yeah. for them and uh you know, they're they're hoping Will Smith hits. I I can see the disappointment potentially with how some of the speculation was going. Will Smith you know, I It's hard not to like the player, Mm -hmm. right? He had 126 points with the U.S. National Development Team program. Uh, Incredible skill, can stick-handle his way through all kinds of high-traffic areas, find his way to wriggle through things that you wouldn't expect him to be able to. So there's a lot to like from a a skill part uh, to this player. It's just, um, you know, I I come back to Matt Faye Mitchkoff being – you know, in that same tier as maybe the first three of this draft. And yeah. uh, Will Smith getting a little bit bump ahead because Mitch Koff and the uncertainty around that player.
1: Yeah, and also uh, center. He's a center as well. Yeah. And he, the uncertainty. And when Will Smith started becoming, you know, a bit of a player that people viewed as a top five prospect, it just kind of changed things a little bit. Now, here's Montreal sitting in with the fifth pick. Mm-hmm. There were some discussions about Montreal perhaps looking to trade the pick. And there were some suggestions that they weren't going to be taking Matvei-Mitchkoff. Yeah. And the two players linked to them have been David Reinbacher and Ryan Leonard. Now, there is a center as well in Dalibor Dvorsky that people don't talk enough about. Mm -hmm. That some people that, and I mean, scouting directors, view him as a top five prospect. That high. Yeah. So... Where does Montreal view him? Montreal has been very vocal about Leonard and uh, Reinbacher. Is that because that's truly where they're going? Mm-hmm. Or are they trying to put us off the scent a little bit? And that's what I wonder about. Because, yeah, they can get the winger they want, who's a can be a potentially a franchise-type winger in Leonard if he if he hits. You know he can get a defenseman. Mm-hmm. But there's also a big center available in Dalbo, D- Dalbo Dvorsky. And with them holding on to their pick, I think those are the three players we should be looking at right now.
0: Well, and if Reinbacher goes here, does that maybe push up um the other two right shot defensemen that have been highly touted in a tom willander or an axel sandin pelica not to say that teams draft for position of need rather than best player available but um if you have your heart set on a right shot d-man and one goes at five maybe it does change Mm -hmm. how things end up a little bit further down the line montreal the, the speculation around fifth overall is uh Interesting. I think we're still trying to get a feel for what exactly Kent Hughes and, and Jeff Gorton are trying to build in Montreal. They traded, mm-hmm. you know, first and a second round draft choice for Alex Newhook yesterday. And you know, there's they did that with Kirby Doc as yeah. well last year. So they've really started to add to their forward ranks. And if I look at their builds as they go through this, they need help on D. So is that where? they go to fill out their prospect pool.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it, they do need help on D and you're right. And it might be overwhelming because yep. you have a righty defenseman staring at you, but it also comes down to, you still just need to get impact players. Mm-hmm. And as much as, you know, they still need certain positions. They're also kind of lacking a couple impact guys. Uh, we will see as they step up to the podium. It looks like they
0: will be making the selection at number five. Overall, the Montreal Canadiens on the clock with the fifth overall pick in Nashville.
6: I'd like to start by congratulating the Vegas Golden Knights. Also, I'd like to wish David Poyle all the best in retirement. To make our selection, I will invite up our former fifth overall in 2005, Carey Price.
8: Bonsoir. Le Canadian de Montréal are proud to select David.
6: We planned it that way. David Reinbacker. Reinbacker.
1: Well, Kerry Price, you had one job.
0: <laughs>
5: wow.
1: Wow. Kerry Price has never looked more out of place than him trying to remember what, what the draft picks. Name. Oh, David, Ryan. Looking back like, oh,
0: somebody help. You had one job. You had one, one job.
1: David Reinbacher. We trusted him to play goal for us at the Olympics, and he can't read a name. Uh, the... That dude gets paid ten
2: million dollars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hasn't played in like a couple of years. This is the first thing they've
0: asked him to do. Well, that's uh,
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> on blooper yeah. reels
0: forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as speculated, David Reinbacher uh, going fifth overall here to the Montreal Canadiens.
1: Oh, wow, that was uh, that was something. That's gonna live on in broop, uh, for blooper reels forever. That's, that's gonna
0: take over Vasily Vesli-
8: Podslosen.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. People forgot about that one already.
8: Yes. Only in Vancouver we re- do we remember that. That was almost like uh, Bobby Clark forgetting Claude Giroux in Vancouver in 2006 <laughs> yes. too.
0: All the good stuff happens in uh, in Vancouver, doesn't it? Uh, except this time with Nashville. So Carey Price uh, needed to be saved by Kent Hughes, who was in there. Good, uh, good general manager saving his uh, saving his injured player there.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's great. That was the player agent in Ken Hughes. I gotta protect my guys. I'm gonna Jumps protect in. my guy. Uh, okay, but uh, on the player, because yes. I mean that's that's a great
0: <laughs> what a... Man, I can't believe what just happened. That was incredible. <laughs> that
1: was that was amazing. And if you didn't see the visual, watch it yeah. later. It's fantastic. You just see the look on on his face. And everybody gave him some time to try to figure it yeah. out. And I think everybody was kind of shocked behind him because they are like, nobody helped him out until finally <laughs> Ken Hughes walked up and, and gave the name. It was it's the fifth. <laughs> what are you doing this? Just like say David Ryan, blah, blah, blah. just do that at least instead yes. of that. But anyways, David Ryan. You know what? He, props, props to uh, Stan Smeele. You mentioned Stan Smeele. At least, he, at least he said something. Yes. He's like, I don't know what this is, but I'm just gonna <laughs> say
8: something at least. Just write it on the palm of your hand, right? Even if it starts to you had wash one away from sweat. Yeah, yeah
0: you had one job. Uh, so okay, David Ryan. Re- yes, David <laughs> Reinbacher. out of Austria, six two, hundred eighty five pound, right shot defenseman played in the pros this year, played among men, and acquitted himself very, very well with 22 points through the year. Yes,
1: uh, he did. And uh, to pat ourselves on the back, we didn't get the order correct, but we did our mark draft yesterday. We have so far nailed the top five picks. Yes. We had Ryan Barker going at five Mm -hmm. to uh, Montreal, and here is where he gets taken. And to your point of positional, and also based on a lot of the scuttlebutt we had heard about uh, how Montreal liked him at number Five And when we kind of did the deduction, we said, if you're looking at both those guys, a righty defenseman and a winger, it becomes pretty easy, doesn't it? If both guys are pretty close. And the question was, like I mentioned, do they surprise us and go after somebody else? But I think in terms of what they need and in terms of the type of player that he is, again, I mentioned this off the top. One of the worst narratives, I think, is people mentioning how Ryan Bacher has a uh, lower ceiling but a higher floor. Mm -hmm. And almost as if that's a negative in some way. Yeah, Because, yeah... When we look at ceilings, you also have to, have to look at what is the likelihood likelihood of a player attaining his ceiling. And a player may have a ceiling of Eric Carlson, like I mentioned, Sandine Palika. But if we're talking about a 10% chance of him being there, and let's say that the ceiling for David Reinbacher um, is, uh, let's say, more Sider, mm-hmm. but his likelihood of being there is 50%. Yeah
0: then your decision is made for you.
1: Yeah. Now, Moritz insider has been incredible. Maybe it's a bad example in terms of, you know, somebody lower ceiling than Eric Carlson. Carlson's a hall of fame defenseman, no Mm -hmm. matter what you feel about him. Like he's, he's a hall of fame defenseman who's won multiple Norris trophies. Right. So I just, I just think when you look at it that way, you have to also be honest with yourself and say, sure, that guy has some dynamic skills that that guy doesn't have, but this guy's gonna be really good. And, We shouldn't get caught up too much in that whole ceiling discussion sometimes. You know,
0: when you can uh, project a guy and and feel pretty comfortable that he's going to play in your top four for a few years, especially on the right side, can play a physical game, you know, and has a little bit of offense to his game as well, that's something you can really, really, really talk yourself into with selecting the fifth overall pick. Now, I wonder, with some of the speculation, you know, maybe Montreal did feel like... Maybe we could move down and still get Reinbacher mm-hmm. here, especially if Philly or Washington wants to make the jump to five to select Matvey michkov But ultimately, I bet Arizona was a bit of a wild card, and Montreal didn't feel too comfortable moving below Arizona with the idea that, hey, maybe the Coyotes have an eye for David Reinbacher as well. And that's always the trouble. Now, I'm sort yeah. of speculating a little bit, but... I just want to illustrate the point of why teams don't always move down yes. when sometimes we may discuss it as if it's an obvious thing to do.
1: It's actually an excellent point because, um, like like we mentioned before, Leonard's there and you yeah. like Leonard. But if you really like Ryan Bacher yes. and the team, but like you just can't go to seven or eight. You, yeah. know, you just can't. And I think that's the reality sometimes of situations like this. And I hope they're right on the player um, because... If they are, then it all you know really works out. If you're not, then you always look back and say, could you have an asset and gone down and got something better? Like the whole levy discussion in Vancouver and said, hey, you took him at five, it was a fail. I mean, at least you could have moved down and got something better and perhaps a pick two out of it. You know, And that's easy in hindsight to say. But when he is a top-rated defenseman yeah, and he's a righty, mm-hmm. they always move up in the draft. It's playing with fire if you trade down.
0: Yeah. And if that's a player you really want, And uh, you may as well just select them at five rather than getting those extra couple of picks later on in the draft. Uh, The Arizona Coyotes have their pick in, so we'll await them getting to the podium here as they walk up. They also have the 12th selection in the draft, which they acquired from Ottawa in exchange for Jacob Chikrin. So here is their first of two selections in the first round of the NHL entry draft.
8: On behalf of the Arizona Coyotes, we'd like to congratulate the Vegas Knights on winning the Stanley Cup. We'd also like to thank the Nashville Predators and their amazing fans for hosting us this week. And to all of our fans in Arizona at Wasted Grain in Scottsdale, go Yotes. And to make our selection, I'd like to invite Ryan Janigowski.
4: The Arizona Coyotes are proud to select from locomotive Yaroslavl Dmitry Simashev.
1: What? Uh, what? Wow. What? Wow. Let's go Arizona. I love how Arizona loves to throw us curveballs. Oh, Dimitri Arizona. Dmitry Simashev goes sixth overall to the Arizona Coyotes. Well, there goes my hope for the Canucks at 11. Woo!
0: Dmitry Shimishev off the board. We go back-to-back on defensemen. A year where the speculation early on in draft coverage season for us, could any defenseman go in the top ten? We already have two at five and six.
1: And at one point, the discussion became, do three go in the top (laughs) ten? And I think we're there now. Yes. You know, it's a possibility because you have a team like Detroit Mm -hmm. who might be eyeing a Willander potentially, even Axel Sandin-Polika. We mentioned St. Louis as well potentially being there so especially with him being gone now it becomes interesting and even looking at philly and looking at the uh, capitals i don't think they take defensemen because mm-hmm. i i'd say that right now with dvorsky being available and also Matvey mitchkov being there i'd say that both those guys go here i'd yeah. say and with leonard as well too i think for philly I, I'd imagine we don't see a defenseman taken again to maybe to until Detroit at number nine.
0: Yeah. It, uh Michkoff is going on one of the next two picks and probably Dvorsky as well. So that's the other one too, is, is Ryan Leonard who's now been pushed down. You know, we thought so well about the top eight, but here is uh, the surprise pick Arizona. You know, they, they did it with Barrett Hayton. Uh, they've, they've done it in the past where they kind of jump up and select somebody that's, a little further down draft boards, but to be honest with you, uh, the more as I watch tape of Dmitry shimishev over the last couple of weeks, at, the more I really just started to um, fall in love with the player. I'm going to be honest about it. I mean, left shot, D sure, but six foot four, skates as well as <laughs> any other defenseman in the draft, probably better, and really smart on his retrievals. I really, really liked watching the tape on uh, on Dmitry Shymashev he's gone sixth overall yeah. I the more I thought about it you know the more it was like six four skates incredibly well like plays defense well has a high IQ for the defensive side of the game yeah. it's just It doesn't feel like a guy that's going to fall out of the top 10, even with some of the Russian factor and all those other question marks. No,
1: I think, so my only two questions with him, one is for his size, are we always going to say, do we wish he was more physical? Yes. Which is always going to be something about him, I think, because he's not, his first inclination is to win the puck, not take the body, which is not a bad thing as long as you win the puck, right? Yeah. But it also becomes a thing at some point about, okay, like how much do you kind of evolve? He can throw hits. He can break up the cycle. It just hasn't been something that is really prolific in his game yet. And I think for him to really, become that true high-end shutdown defenseman that has to be a bit stronger in his game not that he has to be mean and physical or anything like that and in that sense of, of the word and offensively there could be some limitations to how much he can do so lefty defenseman has a lot of potential but also i can understand some questions about upside
0: uh one hour down and we're through six picks Connor bedard first to chicago leo carlson second to anaheim fantilli to columbus at three will smith goes fourth to san jose David Reinbacher at five to Montreal, and the first big surprise of the NHL entry draft. Well, I guess second after Carlson, Dmitry Simichev going to the Arizona Coyotes at sixth overall. You are listening to Draft Central.
6: Bonsoir, the Canadian de
0: Montreal
8: are proud to select David. <laughs>
6: We planned it that way. David Reinbacher.
1: The Flyers are proud to select from St. Petersburg in the KHL, Matvey Mishkov.
0: There he goes. The uh, arguably second best talent in the draft. And maybe uh, the international man of mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Matt vay goes to the Philadelphia Flyers as selected by Daniel Briere at seventh overall. So back-to-back Russians selected here. Sat. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah, Draft Central. You're listening in the Kintex studio. Uh, we've got producers Josh Elliott-Wolf and Eddie Gregory with us. As well, Philly. Uh, this works out perfectly for Philly. You know, the speculation was that they uh, got to interview Meechkoff in the last couple of days in Nashville and really started to like the player. And you know, they uh, potentially land you know the player with the highest offensive ceiling, not named Connor Bedard, in this draft.
1: Yeah, and it's it's just such a coup for them at number seven. Yeah, uh, and if for an organization that is really in need of some. High end, separating yeah. talent—the perfect type of fit. And Leonard's really good. And I mentioned there is some potential he could be a franchise winger, but it's more likely he's just a really good, you know, physical, strong player that scores like thirty goals. But maybe not really that that true player build around. Michkov is the type of player you can build around. Yeah, when he hits, that's the type of level of talent that you're getting. And I see our text inbox: Tyler, Jazzy, others saying. The Canucks could have had him had they started Demko fewer games and the Canucks won too many games down the stretch. And listen, we've had those discussions, but we always said the more realistic space, p- place for Vancouver was seven or eight. Yeah, They were never going to be bottom five or six really realistically with Arizona. Mm-hmm. But could they have been, you know, seven, eight worst? And would you have a chance at a Mishkoff type? The answer was yes. They didn't work out that way for Vancouver, obviously, for them to have that selection. But we see your text messages. We see your frustration right now
0: yeah we're talking about uh three uh l's instead of w's yeah. uh that uh would have seen the canucks end up in that position to select Matvey mitchkoff we still have not had a trade and it looks as though the washington capitals who are on the clock are going to be making their selection at number eight it gets interesting here
1: yeah and yeah and like top 10 picks don't get traded during the draft very often. Yes. Like last year was an outlier. <laughs> I'd say watch for Dalibor Dvorsky here at number eight. Uh,
0: Dalibor Dvorsky was one of our consensus top eight guys who has not yet been on a draft selection. So we'll see if Washington goes that way. Of course, Ryan Leonard's a player we talked about a ton yeah. as uh, somebody who could go in that top eight. One of them is getting pushed down because Dmitry Shivas- Shimishev went sixth.
1: Do they take a defenseman perhaps? Is that is that a possibility? Because we haven't, we, we kept talking about Washington and Michkov, and we don't know who else they really like. Yeah. Could they have eyes on a defenseman as well, Willander, Axel, Sandin, Palika being there as well?
0: Uh, they're a team that kind of needs a lot of future help. So um, any of the available selections uh, that we've mentioned would help them very much. The Washington Capitals are on the podium, making the eighth overall pick at the NHL Entry Draft.
6: The Washington Capitals would like to acknowledge David Poyle's longtime contribution to our organization and congratulate him on an outstanding career. With the eighth pick, Washington selects Ryan Leonard from the U.S. Development Program.
0: So Leonard goes to the Washington Capitals. Uh, All right. This is one of the players you talked up quite a bit early on as uh, we started getting into our draft coverage set.
1: Yeah, I mean, really talented player. And we mentioned he was a consensus top eight prospect, goes in the top eight. Yeah. Uh, we The only difference with our consensus top eight is that Shemeshev mm-hmm. is in number six and that Dvorsky is still available here at number nine. And uh, I'm really interested to yep. see what happens here with Dvorsky coming down because I, I kept hearing he's going to go high. Yep. And now he's available at 9, and is Detroit going to take him, or do they have their sights set on a defenseman still? Because, you know, if they want a defenseman, they're probably not getting that guy at 17.
0: No. Uh, they might not be getting that uh, Willander type or a uh, Sandin Pelica yeah. even at 17 now that Simashev and Reinbacher are both off the board. Um, let's take a minute to to discuss potentially how this uh, change-up that the Arizona Coyotes threw us mm-hmm. might affect the Vancouver Canucks selection at 11.
1: Because now Vancouver is going to get one of Willander, Axel sandin mm-hmm. um Zach Benson, yep. Nate Danielson, yep. Dalibor Dvorsky. Mm-hmm. They're getting one of those five players Yeah, who are considered consensus top 15 prospects, I think, by, by most people, right? And I think what it tells you is they're they're gonna get like they're not they're not looking at maybe taking maybe Matthew Matthew Wood, mm-hmm. um Oliver Moore could be there Oliver as well. Moore as well. I don't know. The more I look at it, the closer we get here. Are they gonna pass on a defenseman? It, I wouldn't pass on Willander if Willander is there. It seems
0: it's helpful to the organization's future. He is a steady right shot D man, plays with a high IQ, looks like he plays at a pace. And, you know, the one thing when watching Belander that I constantly took away is there's a lack of panic in Mm -hmm. his game, you know, and I really enjoyed that about him. So, you know, it's still going to take him a couple of years to make the jump to the National Hockey League, but you can already see some NHL traits in his game. Right, and and, and that's what I really like about Willander.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and in terms of his offensive upside, we spoke to Ufe Boudin yesterday, and if you missed it, you can go back to our podcast mm-hmm. uh, from yesterday to, to listen to it, especially if the Canucks do take a Swedish defenseman, you you may want to go in here at the scouting report. He may not have the ceiling to run your power play, but he's a guy that can get you like 30 some points, maybe even more depending on the role he plays. Like he's not a guy that's just, just like chip it out and can't handle the yeah. puck. When you watch him on the blue line, like he can, he can dance at the blue line. Yep. He can handle the puck decently. He makes good passes, good decisions. He's not a dynamic offensive player by any stretch of the imagination, yep. but he's not some like big defensive lug who's just good defensively. Like he, he can handle the puck. You'd be surprised at how talented he is. And I think that's why he is getting buzzed at being a top 12 pick maybe in this year's draft.
0: And he really uh, he really started to show that more in the second half of the season. Yeah. And obviously at the U18s, he flashed it even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, uh, the Detroit Red Wings are on the clock. Uh, Steve Iserman is it's, standing.
1: He's already jacked up. Is he that <laughs> excited for Dalibor Dvorsky?
0: He's like, this is happening? Last year, we uh, we reached... <laughs> to take the centerman, Marco Casper. And this year, uh, the centerman is going to drop to us in Dalibor Dvorski. That's you know the top player that you know we've talked about as a, a guy who is a top eight talent, yeah. should have gone there. What do you like so much about Dalibor Dvorsky, who I think for many people is the best player available here at nine?
1: Because there isn't much not to like to dislike about Dalibor Dvorsky. The only thing you would say is, and I mean, you're talking about a guy who's uh, a draft eligible player in the in his first time being draft eligible, playing with, with men and pros. Yes, maybe the production wasn't quite at the level that some of the hype is at. Went for a guy uh, for his production, but Just he showed fourteen points in the Allsvenskan. That's all he showed, but he did show at other times like he can be really dynamic against his own own age group. And he, but even so, like he was reliable. He's smart defensively. He wins battles. He's really strong. He drives the net well. He's smart. He d- his only weakness, I would say, is he lacks the one real separating trait. Like, I-, I can't point to one thing outside of maybe his IQ and say that, oh, like that's a plus plus trait and char- characteristic that he has, right? But he- everything is like at a plus level, kind of, yes. right? Or at, a- at least a- at an overpassable level. And when you're that complete and you're that mature as a player, it's hard not to project him as being an impact guy at some level. And there are those that kind of view him as a Kopitar type. Kopitar, again, he had a lot of the same mm-hmm. profile. He had a lot of the same th- things people said about him. And he ends up being really good. And I think that's why some people are super high on Dalbert- Uh
0: Detroit with Steve Eisman have uh, been a bit of a wild card with players that they have selected. Last year, they took Marco Casper, who... You know, going into draft coverage season was more of a mid round, maybe even a late first round pick, and then really started to climb up draft boards. Detroit took him in the top 10. Then the year before, they took Marit Sider, which, uh, you know, sixth overall, and he's worked out just absolutely brilliantly for Detroit. He's already, you know, among the better right shot defensemen in the league, so Detroit did well there. But this is a team that's gone through a bit of a longer rebuild here, and I'm sure there's going to be expectations on yeah. them to start turning this around, even though they traded Ronick to the Vancouver Canucks.
1: Yeah, they spent some in free agency as well, and one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough is that building's getting emptier and emptier. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: got to start winning games at some point. Uh, Steve Eisman and the Detroit Red Wings are up to the podium in Nashville.
4: First, I'd like to congratulate David Poyle, A fantastic general manager, fantastic person, and a great friend on a tremendous career. Also, I'd like to uh, congratulate the Vegas Golden Knights on a Stanley Cup championship. Uh, With the ninth pick in the draft, the Red Wings Select from the Brandon
0: Wheat Kings center, Nate Danielson. They took Nate Woo! Danielson. There we go. We mentioned he's going to go in the top 10 maybe. Well, our uh, our mock draft from yesterday is uh, – well, the Canucks won't be selecting Nate Danielson as we had in our no, mock draft. He's yesterday.
1: gone. Danielson's gone. <sighs>
2: we they mentioned- take him
0: over Dalibor Dvorsky. That is um, – I mean, it's a reach, at least by my rudimentary <laughs> ability to – evaluate these prospects. I would have not expected Nate Danielson to go over Dalibor Dvorsky. Now there is potential here. Are where... people going to
1: rip uh, Steve Eisenman if the the way they were ready to rip Vancouver for taking Nate Danielson? Well,
0: Steve Eisenman is, uh, he's everything. You know, he built that <laughs> Tampa Bay Lightning. Camp.
1: I'm just saying, I mean, there's a lot of capital spent on um, supporting Steve Eisman decisions yeah. and how smart he is and, you know, how people love it. And generally speaking, outside of uh, the industry here, like the the mm-hmm. community has been kind of down on Danielson and his upside. Yeah, So I'm really fascinated to see how, how, this is kind of, how this is portrayed and how this is viewed in that realm. Because the whole talk, like we mentioned earlier, was, is Vancouver taking Nate Danielson because they feel he's a safe player? Mm-hmm. Or are they taking him because they feel like there's more there? And everything I've heard about the teams that like him, including Vancouver, is they view him as having potential of being an impact guy. Yeah. we don't just view him as being a third line center like we think there's real upside here he can score goals he's really smart a good two-way player like he's he's a he's not a franchise center but can be a top two centerman yeah they really believe he can do that and plus he's really good defensively. he does a lot of great things so when that's the profile that some people have those guys go in the top 10 yes especially guys his size with his speed yeah so and Stephen Steve Eiserman who people love lauding... Yes. He clearly sees
0: the same thing here. It's uh, it, it's it's a super interesting pick here, you know, because while I, I, I... Like, one of the things I really liked about Danielson was his two-way smarts. You know, uh, it's a player... Connor Bedard mentioned Danielson as the one who was toughest to play against. Now, you know, they're buds, so maybe he was just, you know, giving a, some love to his buddy that's also going in the draft here. But, you know, when I watched, he did do some really, like, his IQ in his defensive zone was really high end. And I like that about his game. Plus, his skating, he was able to transition pucks. And that's where a lot of his damage was done at five on five and being able to create rush chances because of what he was doing in the defensive zone, turning defense into offense. He didn't have a lot around him, which, you know, is. Sometimes makes it harder to evaluate a player like this because, you know, I'm watching him and, and you see some of the hesitation in his game and you see that there is, uh, you know, sometimes he's holding on to the puck a little bit too long you know, maybe he gets tunnel vision. But I'm also wondering, is he expecting somewhere someone to be where they're not or does he not have you know, a high level of trust for his teammates to make that play at different points? Mm-hmm. It, that's what makes these projections so difficult at times. But everything I saw in his game just screamed high floor and potentially an even, uh, you know, not not necessarily the highest ceiling of the players we're talking about here, but still a pretty good one. Uh, NHL teams, about, like if, if a player hits as a defensive centerman who can still score around 50 to 60 points, like that player is going to be highly, highly valued in the league Yes, and eventually make like you know, seven, eight million bucks when they get to their second and third contracts.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and the type of impact those guys can make, especially if you have a real offensive guy ahead of them, mm-hmm. like it, it, they're just so hard and rare to find if you're right on the talent. Now, if you're wrong on the talent and he's a third line centerman and you passed up on some guys who can be real difference makers, then that's going to be what you look back at it in a few years. And I think that's obviously something we won't find out for a while here. But I, I'd, I'd also say when it comes to what's available now, Dan... Because we mentioned Danielson to Vancouver and yeah. how like, you know, that's somebody that Vancouver seems to be high on. And if he's there, they may have a hard time passing up on. That's gone. Yeah. That's out of the equation now. I think they like Dvorsky. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they like Dvorsky more than Willander or Axel sandin Polika. Because they're going to have a choice of at least two of those guys now. At uh, least. They might have a choice of all three depending on what... Yeah, St. Louis does here at number 10.
0: And Zach Benson's still on the board. Yes. you know This and is I, this I is playing out really Benson, well for guys. Vancouver. I don't yeah. think they're taking Benson. I, I don't think they're taking Benson either. Uh, it doesn't scream uh, Alvin Rutherford-type player to me. Good question coming in here, 650-650-Dunbar-Lumber-Text-Message-Inbox. 650, 650, is the draft uh, going to a place where the Canucks could trade down? I guess we'll find out soon. Uh,
1: actually, it's that's a good question. Uh, we'll find out soon. You're right. Yeah. I, I The thing I would
0: say about that is if somebody is dropping that they did not expect to drop, that would maybe make it less likely for them to trade down. Okay. Like if Dvorsky drops to 11 when he was widely considered to go in the top eight, that doesn't seem like a player you would trade down so that you could maybe select somebody else.
1: So let's go through what we know in terms of uh, whom the Vancouver Canucks have met with in person, at least in Nashville and in Buffalo, which are the more important meetings yes. that they do right before nailing down their draft list completely. Two of the players that they met with are gone. Danielson and Shimachev, who they yes. just met with in Nashville recently. They met with Tom Willander, Col- Colby Barlow, Zach Benson, Matthew Wood, and those are the guys that we know about. So, yep. That's one, two, three, four, five. That's four guys Mm -hmm. that they may view as top 15 prospects. That tells you that if all four of those guys are available next, is Vancouver comfortable going down to 14 or 15 because they're getting one of those guys? Uh, The
0: Blues, according to David Pinota, Doug Armstrong got a last-minute phone call, but uh, the Blues aren't being persuaded away from taking the number 10 pick. The St. Louis Blues are on the clock. Their pick is in, and they are headed up to the podium, the Vancouver Canucks are one selection away. Dalibor Dvorsky, Zach Benson, Tom Willander, Oliver Moore, all names still on the board. Let's see what St. Louis does. We're pleased to select Dalibor Dvorski, AIK Sweden. So Dvorsky goes at 10 to the St. Louis Blues, and this is one where uh, I think they're pretty happy. To see the draft play out this way.
1: Yes, and reports uh, from Dave Pinyota uh, who is at the draft, saying the Canucks and Sabres GM, Alvine and Adams, are having a discussion on the floor. The Sabres...
0: So, yeah, are selecting 13th overall.
1: Yes. And we just mentioned, so right now, with Dvorsky gone, mm-hmm. Willander, Barlow, Benson, Wood. Yeah. That's four guys they met with, mm-hmm. all still available. Yeah. So if they if they like these guys the same, and, and maybe they prefer one over the other, right? But if you like these guys the same, this is your chance to move down now. If they're all in the same tier and they say
0: we'd just be happy with getting any one of these guys and we know we're getting one of them at this point if we drop down just a couple of spots, yes. maybe this is where we trade down.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is the this is the kind of opportunity you hope for. Yeah. If you want to trade down, unless there's somebody you love here. And here's here's the age old question about Vancouver and, and defenseman and yes. Willander. Do they love him? Because mm-hmm. if they do, this might be your chance to get him. Unless you have a really good read on, you know, who's going at 12. Yeah. Because if you're picking at 13, you're only going down a couple spots. Mm-hmm. So we'll see.
0: So right now, Tom Molander is still on the clock. The Vancouver Canucks are about to be on the clock. The St. Louis Blues just selecting Dalibor Dvorsky, uh, who was just uh, a Slovakian player who was playing in the all Svenskin this year. So the Canucks are now on the clock, or they will be shortly once their timer begins. They have Tom Willander available to them. They have Oliver Moore, the U.S. National Team Development Program player, played on their second line. So behind that, Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, Gabe line, and still acquitted himself very well, is the best skater in the draft. You know, you can sort of comp his skating to Dylan Larkin-esque, That's uh, how to best describe Oliver Moore to you. And sometimes, you know, he can play too fast, and that gets him into trouble. Uh, And that's one of the knocks on Oliver Moore. There's other players here that we know the Canucks, as Sat mentioned, did interview with. Colby Barlow, whom we had here on the show, scored goals for fun uh, in the OHL and looks to be a power-forward type Wall kind of player, even an inside guy he maybe ticks both of those boxes. If you're looking at Rick Tockett's way of describing players, that's Colby Barlow. There are a few really good options on the board here for the Vancouver Canucks and something to keep an eye on, the potential trade down, which we've really discussed in the last little bit. The Vancouver Canucks are on the clock.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, they are on the clock so far. We haven't seen anything about a trade. I'm guessing if they hold on to the pick, it's a Willander here.
0: Yeah. Willander makes the most sense.
1: Yeah. And if you're moving down, if you don't move down, it's probably probably because you're worried he's going to be taken. So Willander
0: is a right shot defenseman, has a really good two-way game. We've talked about him as a player for a while here now. The highest upside play, there's a couple of texts coming in. Well, Zach Benson's available. Yeah. And Benson... There's a lot to like about his game. Um, are you taking the six-two defender? Plays on the right side. You can project to play in your top four for a lot of years. Over the guy that maybe has a high, an incredibly high ceiling, like a ceiling that could be, you know, a really great scorer in the league. But questions about his speed. You know, it's one of the areas of his game mm-hmm. that doesn't really pop. And how's that going to translate when he gets or starts to progress through the levels? And if he's able to create more space, even when the speed gets a little bit higher at the NHL level. So there's a lot of question marks around Benson. If you look through the annals of NHL history, how often does the undersized player end up getting knocked down draft boards simply because they are a little bit undersized?
1: Yeah, and, and that's that's something that typically happens. You're right, and especially somebody who— and I mean, Cole Coffey still went down, yes. but he had an elite-level shot. And it looks like, based on what we're seeing, uh, Vancouver is getting ready here uh, to make the selection at number 11. So um, I, unless something changes here, doesn't look like they're going to be trading down.
0: Alvin is uh, talking across the table. They haven't gone up to the podium yet, but the oh. pick is in. And they are now walking up. Yes. As they will make the selection at 11th overall. No trade down for the Vancouver Canucks. They are making this selection. Last year, they selected Jonathan Lekaramaki, who, as Patrick Alveen mentioned, even though he was the 15th overall pick, was somebody who they had on the top 10 of their board and was easily best player available when they went to select him. I'm sure when we get to talk to Alvine a little bit later tonight, he'll say similar things about whomever this player is that they are about to select, but the draft has played out pretty well for the Vancouver Canucks. They have options of who they could take and certainly ones that could help the future of the organization from a positional perspective as well. Let's see what the Vancouver Canucks are about to do as they step up to the podium to make the 11th overall selection at this year's NHL Entry Draft.
6: Vancouver Canucks are proud to select from Rogla, Swedish, Junior League, Tom Willander. He is hyped. Patrick Alvin. You know, he's
0: batting 100% for being able to draft Swedish players in the first round for the Vancouver
1: Canucks. Oh, man. So hyped. Tom Willander. They took Tom Willander. <laughs> I was worried about Nate Danielson, but he's gone. He's off the table. The Canucks have drafted my guy, Tom Willander. I love this draft pick. And I know people right now are upset. They didn't take Zach Benson. I know people are upset even about yeah. Matthew Wood, and I get it. Even Colby Barlow, who I love his talent. He's so talented and such a great hockey player. But Tom Willander is kind of the defenseman that mm-hmm. is so rare in the NHL now. Yeah. Good defensively, like really good defensively, physical, yes. has size, skates like the wind. There isn't a defenseman in this draft who skates better than him. Yeah. There isn't. Like He's the best skating defenseman in this draft, bar none. Powerful skater as well. Great on his edges, right? He's smart defensively as well. Offensively, he's not going to be an Axel Sandin Polico or this, you know, big time game breaker. But he knows how to handle the puck, and he knows how to make plays. He can play on the second power play unit. He's he's got a guy who's decent release on his shot as well. Can give you a few goals even. Like he's a real complete defenseman, man. Like I like this is the type of guy that I think Stanley Cup teams have on their roster. Yeah. And you and you are you have a hard time trading for. And him being a righty. It's a home run pick, honestly. Like I, I I couldn't be happier for this franchise and these fans down the road, even the ones who are aren't happy about Zach Benson not being the pick, because I think it's going to age really, really well. It's
0: uh, a player we've talked about quite a bit. Sat, you brought him up a couple of months ago as a potential selection, not just for the Canucks, but a potential player that was going to go higher than most people had been expecting and here he is going 11th overall to the Vancouver Canucks. There is a lot to like about this pick. You know, we talk so much about right-shot defensemen and I and I get it. You don't draft for position in the National Hockey League. You don't draft for position in any league, really. You can't. It Can be trouble. And certainly for a lot of you Canucks fans, you're going to look at this and be saying to yourself, is this another Ole Alevi? They left the winger on the board and they took the defenseman. And I I get it. But Benson is not Matthew Kachuk. And Willander does look the part of a really good, strong, two way defenseman, one that you can project into your top four for a few years. Has some NHL traits already to his game. The skating pops, Sat. He can play a physical game when he needs to. There's just so much to like about his well-rounded game, and there are players in the NHL that are just so incredibly difficult to find. That's Tom Willander, and he's the latest Canucks selection here at the NHL draft.
1: He is one of the... That position, that type of defenseman, might be the most or the second most scarcest, most scarce asset you can find yeah. in the league. Righty defenseman that's good defensively and can play big minutes for you. It's why are, very hard to find.
0: Why are all the good defensive defensemen in the league Swedish?
1: <laughs> you know Europeans play uh, more Europeans uh, play right-handed yeah. than they do uh, in North America. Yeah. And oftentimes kids end up just, you know, being left-handed out here, and that's just something you see in Europe a bit more. And that's why the Europeans are really cornering the market on righty defensemen. And if you want to draft, that's kind of what you have to do. Look at the look at the defensemen this year's draft. All three, the next one that might go is going to be Axel Sandin Pelika potentially. He's also Swedish.
0: Um, There's a lot of people that uh, think Willander is a fine prospect, just not one that uh, the Canucks should have selected here at 11th overall with some of the other names on the board. Of course, Zach Benson is still there. Oliver Moore is still there and ready to be selected. Matthew Wood, who's been getting a lot of love as well. Colby Barlow, another name that's on the board and still waiting to be selected. Uh, we have an opportunity to hear from Patrick Alveen. Can we uh, quickly go to that? Let's do it. Here is Patrick Alveen uh, with Elliot Friedman.
6: Up, um, I mean, it was impressive the second half here. So uh, his, his uh, mobility and, and uh, uh, ability to defend there, and, and the path is going here to uh, Boston University as well. Did anyone make you think? Did
4: anyone tempt you in terms of moving up into your spot?
6: Uh, there were some discussions there. Uh, but our uh, scouting staff felt strongly that this was uh, this was the guy we wanted. So uh, it made it pretty simple for us when, when he was still there to uh, uh, take the pick. Yeah, Thank you, I appreciate it.
0: So there is uh, Patrick Alvine saying he did receive some phone calls on uh, potentially trading down, but not want to pass on the opportunity of selecting Tom
1: willander it's uh, nor should he man uh, I mean uh, unless you unless you felt um, you could get him in a couple of picks like yeah. if he was your guy you weren't going to be able to trade down and get him and if that was the case you you had to either be sure or get something convincing to move off of it mm-hmm. and maybe like uh, Alvin mentioned they made him think pretty good but I, I think it was more than just wanting to get. Um, you know uh, a draft like you know uh, uh, maybe a second or something I think they wanted it a bit more meaningful and only going up two spots how much was Buffalo really willing to
5: offer
0: uh, we're going to be able to speak to Tom Willander he also spoke with the Sportsnet television broadcast so we'll hear that as well here is Arizona's pick
5: from
8: Yaroslavl Daniel Boot
0: uh, so, Arizona is just going full on with the Russian Revolution as they select Daniel Boo from Locomotive as well. And Boo is, uh, or Boot, uh, is a really interesting prospect. We'll get more into his profile and more on the Canuck selection of Tom O'Lander as we continue here on Draft Central.
6: Vancouver Canucks. Proud to select from Rogla, Swedish Junior League Tom Williner.
4: Patrick, there have been some rumors that this was the guy on your radar. What do you like about
6: him? You know what? Uh, we, uh, my staff was uh, coming into the season. They were high on him. Um, smart player. Right shot defenseman. Um, just trending up. Uh, I mean, it was impressive the second half here. So uh, his, his uh, Mobility and, and uh, uh, ability to defend her. And, and the path is going here to uh, Boston University as well.
0: So there is Patrick Alveen talking about his 11th overall selection. Tom Willander out of Rogla and uh, taking a bit of an unorthodox path to the NHL as he will head to Boston University. Instead of uh, continuing to play in Sweden here, Sat.
1: Which is great. Um, I think for him to come and adjust to North American ice as soon as possible and, you know, to do it at that level, I think it's a fantastic play. It shows you how serious he is. And we're going to hear from him soon and we're going to talk to him as well. He speaks nearly flawless English for Ah. a kid that grew up in in, uh, Sweden as well. Uh, Smart kid, cerebral kid. And I think he already has a real strong game plan about, you know, being an NHL player and him getting a head start on adjusting to North American life and the game. Doing it already as soon as next year I think is a huge plus.
0: Uh, More on uh, the Canucks draft pick Tom Willander is coming. NHL draft coverage is brought to you by the Vancouver Giants, showcasing NHL prospect talents Samuel Hanzik and Jaden Lipinski. Come watch NHL talent in action this season. Go to VancouverGiants.com slash tickets. Hanzik could be off the board very very shortly uh while we went to break or just before we went to break daniel boo was selected by the arizona coyotes at 12th overall and uh the buffalo sabers have just made their pick at 13th overall here in the nhl draft
1: the buffalo sabers are proud to select
6: from winnipeg and the western hockey league zach benson
0: So we had a little bit of a uh, question going on in the uh, bullpen. Uh, Would Zach Benson, would they say Winnipeg when he got drafted? Uh, You get your answer, Eddie.
8: Yeah, they went with Winnipeg. I was debating, (laughs) was it going to be Winnipeg or the new team, the Wenatchee Wild?
0: The Wenatchee Wild. It's uh, not the Wenatchee Wild. They said uh, Winnipeg and uh, Zach Benson. Who uh, dynamic player is uh, off to the Buffalo Sabers? Who add to an incredibly young dynamic group of prospects? So uh, he will have, I uh, mean, <laughs> he's going to have a tough climb in the Buffalo Sabers organization. They have a, a lot of interesting young offensive prospects in that uh, in that organization right now. But that's uh, through 13th overall, Daniil Boo. And Zach Benson, the latest two picks after the Canucks went with Tom Willander. So a lot of uh, speculation here on on Willander and uh, just, well, not speculation, more uh, analysis coming out on Willander and uh, for a lot of people... You know, there is uh, question marks for the Vancouver Canucks as they made this selection.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the question marks are Zach Benson, who went to uh, Buffalo. I think the question marks are just about what did you pass up on? And I think Zach Benson, in terms of raw ability, production, tenacity, mentality, and IQ, can be a game-changing hockey player. But also... He also has to improve in many ways to reach that ceiling. Like he has to, he has to improve. He still has to get considerably stronger, become a better skater, improve certain aspects of his game, which I think he can do. Mm -hmm. But he still has to do, you know. And and I think when you start talking about ceilings and things that um, that have to happen, it's true that he has a higher ceiling. But the things that he has to do to reach them is considerable. And for him to succeed as a five nine player. Yeah. is also going to be something that's difficult. But if he has that Brad Marchand mentality, you see it sometimes in his game. I can understand totally why you'll view it and say like what if he is the next Brad Marchand type, not with quite the same level of uh pugnacity perhaps, but the, the level of intensity he plays with, then I can I can see it. But I think he has to also overcome a lot of things to get there, and that's not a sure bet. So as much as people, you know, love the player in his ceiling, he's also a guy that there's a lot of risk to it. So
0: when it comes to Willander, this uh, text comes in. This could be the partner for Quinn for years to come. He's going to Boston University. It's still going to take him, you know, at least a couple of years probably to get to the NHL. But you're projecting out a player that has a lot of NHL traits already. And to compare him to, you know. Other players, like uh, Zach Benson, I think that's a great point that you just made there, Sat. Uh, Kyle Dubas, GM, or sorry, president, with uh, the... pittsburgh penguins is going to make the next pick in the draft but we'll tell you what it is later because right now we have uh the newest member of the vancouver canucks organization tom willander joining us uh the 11th overall selection at the nhl entry draft by vancouver thanks for joining us tom how are you feeling are you on cloud nine right now
7: <laughs> basically no it's uh it's amazing amazing feeling
0: i uh you know I- I know you interviewed with with Vancouver. Uh, When they came up at 11, did you you have a sense that they could be calling your name?
7: Uh, Definitely. I feel like I've had uh, very good dialogues with with Vancouver. Um, So it was definitely a possibility, but nothing is for certain. So so I got really happy when when I heard my name. Well,
1: and in terms of, you know, your journey to get here, and and that's always very special, but in terms of, like, what you kind of expected, how much of a... Uh, I want to say surprise, but how much of a whirlwind has it been the past couple of months going from being a guy that you know was was hoping to get into the first round and then being considered a top ten prospect
7: oh it it's it 's been a it 's been a wild ride um i feel like um no, it's it 's been really fun uh, i 'd say um I feel like you know, the hours you put in finally mean something um but you know it's i I feel super lucky as well um and just very excited to get started.
0: How did you feel about, about your game this year, going into your draft year? I know as the year went on, you you started to find another gear offensively. How did you feel about your game?
7: Um, I, I feel like I took very steady steps, um, you know, uh, getting better and better day for day. Um, but, you know, obviously staying consistent and practicing in lo- uh, a lot was was the key here. Um, I felt felt like, especially around Christmas, I'd say it kind of exploded. Um, but, you know, uh, I don't intend on stopping and i uh, really excited, so...
1: Well, and, you know, you're, you're coming over to North America the, this upcoming year. Right. And, and how important is it going to be for you? I mean, and how much of a planning did you make here to think of your next step in wanting to play on North American ice? Obviously, going to a good university and getting that education is always a positive. But how much did that influence your decision to want to come to North America?
7: Um, uh, you know, uh, I just think it's, it's a good fit for me. Um, personally, I feel like uh, me being, uh, you know, I feel like I have a lot left to give, um, a lot left to develop. Um, I feel like coming to North America would be a great choice. Um, But also, you know, playing on a small ring, I feel like will uh, help me get ready. So super excited about that.
0: How do you uh, identify yourself as a player? Like, uh, what's your style of play as a defender?
7: Um, You know, I want to be someone who who really uh, plays a big role in the game, the tough games. Uh, I want to be a two-way defender, someone who plays a lot of ice time. Uh, someone who's good defensively but also offensively can be put on put on the ice in really any situation, um, and someone who can win championships. So, yep.
1: Well, and in terms of that type of player, and I know a lot of people kind of mentioned your game and the defensive side of things, but in terms of offensively and and the things that you can do, do you feel like there there is more there than people have seen so far as well?
7: Oh, definitely. I feel like I have made big strides this year. Um, but I feel like I have a, a decent base to stand on, so I'm just looking forward to to being able to to keep practicing uh, uh, my offensive game at BU, and I think um, it will turn out great in the future. So,
0: well, and you're going to the perfect organization to have some some fellow Swedes around uh, around the building. You know, Elias Patterson, Daniel, and Henrik Sedin. I mean, the GM is, right. is Swedish right. as well. It's got to be pretty welcoming, I imagine.
7: Oh, of course, of course. Um, you know. I feel like there's a lot of history with sweets uh, in Vancouver, uh, maybe especially the, the Sadines, So um, it's a, it's an honor for sure. Uh,
1: do you know any of the guys uh, on the team or guys that have been drafted by the team? The guys like Elias Pettersson uh, on defense and forward?
7: No, no, I'd say a little bit old for me maybe, um, but uh, be happy to get to know them for sure.
0: Uh, how's Nashville been treating you uh, outside of uh, you know getting drafted here? I know you're on cloud nine already, but has it been a good trip?
7: Oh, yeah. No, it was a bit, bit problematic with, uh, with uh, catching the flight at New York, um, but being here, it's been, been tremendous. I um, like it's great weather here for, for a change for us back in Sweden, um, but, you know, also a very nice city, I would say so very happy. Uh,
0: Tom, we are really glad to get to know you here, and I'm sure we'll be seeing you in Vancouver at some point soon. Thanks for this, and uh, congratulations again.
7: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Uh, there is Tom Willander, who is, uh, I don't know if Cloud9 even does it justice. He can uh, tell, and you can feel the smile coming through the phone yeah. as he gets selected at 11th overall.
1: The energy, some personality to him as well. Yeah. As as we mentioned, you know he speaks very good English already and, and going to university next year. And you always got to give a couple of years mm-hmm. to, for guys like him before you, you can really figure out what he can do at the NHL level. And you know, in terms of him, the type of player that he can be, it's going to be, interesting to see ultimately how he how he develops mm-hmm. playing the NCAA and whether he plays one or two years there and and how his game kind of comes together because the the reaction right away is is he just a defensive d-man that's on a second pair and he plays the right side and did you reach taking that yeah I think that you're betting on him becoming that like an elite level shut down two-way defenseman that's why you're taking him where you're taking him I don't think you take him because you view him as being a second pair of guy and that's how I view him when I saw his game and I started viewing him, I'm like man like I don't know how high I want to take this guy maybe but like He's growing on me, and it's very hard to find players like this. And, and he's really good. And if he does hit his ceiling, like he can't be a top pair guy. And if you're a top pair elite defenseman,
2: like it, yeah.
1: it, what's too high at drafting that guy? Is 11 too high? I don't think 11 too high for a guy like that. Maybe four or five. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of talented players available, but that's the projection. And I think that's the projection you have to have to draft him. You're not drafting him because you view him as maybe being a second pair of defenseman. If that was your evaluation, don't take him at 11.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that was the Canucks evaluation. You could tell Patrick was pretty excited to be able to select Tom Willander. We'll get more into this because I think we all have some thoughts on uh, the options that were available to the Canucks and the one they ended up landing on. But the Nashville Predators are on the clock with the 11th overall pick. Here
4: we go, Smashville. From the University of Connecticut, Matthew Wood.
0: There was uh, not too much extra there from David Poyle, who makes his last pick before retiring and an incredible career and uh, obviously relationship with the market in Nashville. But uh, another local boy going off the board here in this draft. uh, It's Matthew Wood going to Nashville at 15.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we saw Brady Yeager go 14 to the Pittsburgh Penguins right ahead of, uh, this selection here of Matthew Wood. And it means a lot of talented players are still available here at number 16 for the Calgary flames. Oliver Moore is still sitting here.
2: Yeah. He's a,
1: is a pretty good hockey player, right? And even Axel sending Palika, Mm -hmm. uh, a, a dynamic righty defenseman with some upside. He's also available here, and I think for a team like Calgary that's also needs some long term upside. I mean, you have a bunch of defensemen who look like they're leaving.
0: Yes, <laughs> is it too hard to pass up on a uh, hot shot right shot defenseman? Uh, it might be. Matthew Wood, uh, really interesting player, has a massive frame. You know, six foot three. And uh, at times can do some pretty mesmerizing things with the puck to be a draft eligible and score 34 points, nearly point a game in the NCAA is, of course, impressive. Right. Uh, Not quite Adam Fantilli level, but uh, Fantilli uh, in a quite obviously different class, Mm -hmm. but still very impressive numbers for this player. And uh, the knock, I guess, would be on the skating stride for a player like Matthew Woods yeah and you play at this pace can you do these types of things at the next level
1: and that's the only question he really has because his production I mean you look at a a, we talk with Adam Fantilli being a draft eligible player who won the Hobie Baker and yeah Matthew Wood didn't play at a Hobie Baker level but he was over a point per game for draft eligible Mm -hmm. in the NCAA like that's You know, it's pretty rare. And the only reason why it doesn't get as much run is because there's so many really talented players that have done even more incredible things in this year's draft, which makes the draft so special. And, you know, we're sitting here talking about the 15th overall selection and Matthew Wood potentially. This is why people are projecting this draft to be like some of the greatest drafts over the past couple of decades, because there's a chance that we get out of the first round and there's like, what, 20 players that are playing in the NHL and maybe 17, 18 that are actually really good players. Yeah and if you're getting a first round like that we're talking about some guys that are usually top 10 talents going outside the top 10 and, and i think we're seeing a bunch bunch of that already
0: yeah it's uh it's a lot of a lot of really exciting potential here in this draft and uh i know that somebody is eventually going to uh text this in uh but you know maybe we shouldn't live in the past but you did mention how many more exciting players are still on the board oh yeah
1: I got two that I really like.
0: Uh, I can't believe Oliver Moore is still on the board.
1: Oh, I mean, we, we both big, I mean, yeah. you know, we're, we're all part of the Oliver Moore fan club. And, you know, I, I'm a big Colby Barlow fan. The I more know. I watch Col- Colby Barlow, the more I liked his game. And he's like all these guys. There's things he has to improve and get better at. But man, is that that combination of, of his instincts and his shot. Mm-hmm. And the tenacity he plays with and toughness that he has. Like like he's gonna be a player. Yep. You know, like and, and he can be a real good two way strong impact guy as well. And I think he could be one of those, you know how we saw Kyle Connor, yeah, how how we saw Brock Besser. They go they went later in that year's draft and ends up end up being, you know, some of the better goal scorers, especially Connor Besser, obviously hasn't been able to hold that level up, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Barlow was kind of the Kyle Connor of this draft in that sense. Not the same speed with how he plays, but the shot, very similar. The shot is uh,
0: among the best in the draft for Colby Barlow. Peter, with this text, traded their Islanders' first-round pick for a right-shot D, now drafted another. They say quality right-shot D are the hardest to acquire, so you got to say they came out pretty good in this first round. Now, uh, if you want to do revisionist history... Uh, you take away the Hronik trade, and you get Tom. Well, you get Tom Willander and you get the seventeenth overall pick. Maybe a chance at Oliver Moore and Tom Olander in this first round. I mean, that uh, a couple of months ago would have sounded pretty, pretty damn good to me. But uh, Philip Peronic, in the four-game sample we got to see, also pretty impressive.
2: Yeah,
1: he was. He's you know. I, I, we only saw a few games. We yes. still have to see a lot more from Philip Haronic and who they pair him with. And you know, one of the storylines we're going to dig into beyond today is going to be the free agent class. Now yes. that the draft, the first round, um, for the first round pick for the Canucks is coming gone, the focus now squarely squarely goes to day two tomorrow. But what are you now doing to improve the team? Because you know, even if you're being even if you're being optimistic about Tom Willander, we're talking about what? Optimistically, he's three years away from maybe playing games from you for you yeah. maybe 4 or 5 years away from being a real impact guy, which is the case for most of, most of these players anyways, but that's probably what you're looking at. It's uh it's going to be a while, you know. Um it, as much as, you know, we like
0: the player and we think there's some NHL traits there, it's still going to take some time to get Tom Willander into the NHL. Dan Richo, Satyar Shah, you are listening to Draft Central. We're on to the 16th overall selection. It's the Calgary Flames with new GM Craig Conroy at the podium.
6: First of all, we'd like to thank uh, the Nashville Predators and the, city of, uh, and the people of Nashville. We've had a great time this week. Thank you very much. Um, I'd like to thank the, or congratulate the uh, Vegas Golden Knights on a Stanley Cup championship. And finally, uh, there's not a general manager sitting at the table tonight or anybody that's been a manager in this league for the last 25 years that hasn't been positively influenced by David Poyle. He did his job with class and dignity and honesty and uh wish him lots of success, much success in his uh, future. For our first pick, I'd like to introduce our new general manager, Craig Conroy.
8: I want to thank all our season ticket holders back at the draft party at the TELUS Club in uh, the Scotiabank Saddledome. Hope they're having a good time uh, with our first pick. We're going to take from the Vancouver Giants, Samuel Hanzig.
0: So there you go. Samuel Hanzik off the board to the Calgary Flames. The Vancouver Giants is headed to Alberta. Uh, I think we need to get uh, Eddie Gregory in for a take on Samuel Hanzik.
8: Well first of all this is the team that he's been connected with a lot over the course of mm-hmm. the last week or so leading up to the draft and first off congratulations to Samuel on being picked by Calgary. And I th- I like the pick. I mean he's got really good size at 6 foot 3. He's got good separation ability, he's got good skating ability. He sees the ice really really well. I think a really really smart and really really cerebral player. And mm-hmm. I just remember a discussion I had with him when he first returned to Vancouver after his injury at the world juniors and just talking about the difference of the attention to detail at the world junior level in terms of how the game is played, as opposed to say club team level, not yeah. to be disrespectful, but he noticed the high end difference in terms of, you know, passes and everything like that always being on point. And that was a really, really good indicator to me of how he really, really thinks and processes the game. And, and, He obviously showed good play when he came back from his injury, his two injuries over the course of the year, not just the cut, but missing some time after taking a hit in Kelowna as well. And I think he was Vancouver's best player in their series against the Canloos Blazers, Mm -hmm. even though Vancouver got swept in four games and in three of those games, quite frankly, quite handily. (laughs) But he was very, very good in game four. I believe he had three assists in that game where – Vancouver lost in overtime, so you know he played really, really well in higher competition games. So I think this is a very, very smart and a very, very good pick by Calgary. Yeah, it you know the thing with Hansik too is
1: the combination of all those things is rare. Yeah, you know, and if he puts it together, and uh, there is some suggestions too that Detroit likes him a lot, and yeah. I think they might be a little upset that he's gone here. Well, right that's, before seventeen.
8: I mean, that's the thing. Like when Vancouver played Campbell's in that game four, who was in the building that night? Steve Eiserman. Yeah. <laughs> And he was there in the overtime intermission. Right. And as you know, most scouts, they leave junior games at some point during the third period. So if Eiserman is still there during an overtime intermission, he wants to see him play in that situation. So I think that tells me what Eiserman was thinking of how he wanted to evaluate him in that situation. Yes. And he also as well, I think, has a sneaky, heavy shot. I don't think we saw that a lot over the course of the year, but I think as the year went along, he started to show it. and. Reading some pieces this year, I think the Giants are going to probably play him a little bit more at center, so that'll definitely help his development in year two in the Western Hockey League.
0: Uh, Samuel Hanzik, the 16th pick in the draft. They are halfway through, and next up on the clock, the Detroit Red Wings with the New York Islanders selection via Vancouver after the Samuel Hanzik trade. Or not the Samuel Hanzik trade, the Filiparonic trade. Uh, All right, it's Draft Central. You're listening on Sportsnet 650.
2: Um, You know, I
7: want to be someone who who really uh, plays a big role in the game, the tough games. Uh, I want to be a two-way defender, someone who plays a lot of ice time, uh, someone who's good defensively, but also offensively, can be put on on the ice in really any situation, um, and someone who can win championships.
0: That is Tom Olander joining us here on uh, Draft Central, Canucks Central, Draft Central. All the same today as the first round of the NHL Entry Draft is ongoing. And uh, we'll be here tomorrow with every pick in the second through seventh round as well.
1: Hey, the Canucks got Tom Willander. Look at that.
0: (laughs) They did. They got uh, the (laughs) apple of sat's eye. (laughs)
2: for uh, the last couple of
0: months. It's exciting. It's yeah. exciting. Uh, we're in the Tech studio, and uh, the Detroit Red Wings, with the pick they acquired from the Vancouver Canucks, are just stepping up to the podium. Some really interesting options still available to them here. Best player available uh, could be in any order that you choose. Oliver Moore, Axel Sandin, Pelica, Colby Barlow, Gabriel Perot, as well, still available from the U.S. National Development Team mm-hmm. program. So some big options here for Detroit.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, th- this is this is now becoming super fun in terms of seeing how many talented players are still on, on the board here. We've kind of gone through um, the high end now and where the Canucks have been picking. But now we have a bunch of players that are still available that you can truly view as high end guys. Here is the pick. Arena, who are uh, watching the draft live. We really appreciate your support. With the 17th pick, the Red Wings select from Soleftia, Sweden of the SHL, uh,
0: Axel Sandin-Pelica. So there goes Axel Sandin-Pelica to yep. the Detroit Red Wings.
1: And it's funny because... Uh, this You know how we talked about how this year's draft, um, the list of... Top prospects outside the top four, or five guys went anywhere from you know five to twenty. This mm-hmm. is why we said that. Yeah, Axel Sandin Palika, by many, was considered a top ten prospect. Would go in the top ten. Yeah, you know, and maybe even to St. Louis. Now, Dvorak ends up falling to number ten, and the Blues rushed up to get him. You know, probably yep. too good a player for them to pass up. But here, Detroit gets Nate Danielson, a number nine, and they get Axel Sandin Palika at seventeen. Had they made those these picks in. Different order, yeah. nobody will be saying anything. No. They'd be like, oh, great upside pick, Sandy and Polika. They took uh, Danielson at 17. Yeah, about right for Danielson at 17. Maybe a little early with some guys, but that's fair for him to, to be gone there at number 17. It just shows you that the variance was there. Like, honestly, it could have gone the, either, the other way and people would have probably been, been happier. Yeah, in terms of how the picks uh, the picks were were made by Detroit,
0: There they might be less criticism of how Detroit selected in the first round if the plic, if the picks were flipped because Pe- Pelica. I mean, look when it comes to uh, draft models and things of that uh, nature, the offensively gifted the guys that put up big numbers in junior or wherever they're playing in their draft eligible season are going to get more love from a lot of the prospect evaluators. That's just the way that it works. And Pelica has a really intriguing offensive profile. You know, when you watch the tape, it's just like, wow, this guy's got an insane amount of skill on the back end. But are you going to be able to play well enough defensively in order to have it pop at the highest level. That's, uh, that's going to be the question. It's a question for a lot of the defensemen in this draft. You know, we're going to say the same thing about Dragasevich and Luca Cagnoni. I mean, there's just, there's, there's a lot of players that, you know, have a really great offensive profile, but, also, some questions about how they defend in their own end.
1: Uh, for instance, Oliver Bonk, who yep. has yet to be drafted. And I, I, and I, if I had to wager on the next righty defenseman to get drafted, I'd wager on Oliver Bonk being the guy. I know Lucas Dra- Dragosevic, a local boy, incredible offensive campaign, and, and did take some strides, is viewed as potentially going in the first round. Perhaps a bit later, wouldn't be surprised if he goes high in the second round tomorrow as well. But I would wager... On Oliver Bonk being the next defenseman that goes here, the righty. And then you start getting to a couple other interesting names. I think Cameron Allen is another righty to keep an eye on. Then Gugliaev, the lefty Russian defenseman. Mm -hmm. Very talented, but he's a bit undersized. Is he a guy that somebody likes in the first round, or does he go into the second round? And if he's there in the second, all of a sudden becomes an interesting high-end prospect who could be available on day two. Uh,
0: Still haven't had any trades here uh, on draft night. There was some movement earlier today Today in the National Hockey League. So uh, the Winnipeg Jets now on the clock with the 18th pick but we haven't really talked about some of the movement that happened Earlier today, Sat, and uh, what could still happen in the lead up to Saturday and free agency, uh, Colorado remained busy. They got Ross Colton Mm -hmm. from the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for the second round pick they got from Montreal, 37th overall in this year's draft.
1: Yeah, and being able to add another draft pick for them, Mm -hmm. you know, it obviously uh, helps them out a little bit here. And I'd say now, looking at Winnipeg too, this is a team that, I wonder what are they going to be prioritizing and what they're drafting here. Yeah, you know, because if I'm looking at a player who can provide a two way profile, Oliver Moore is still there, mm-hmm. and he looks pretty exciting. But if you're, looking I can't at, believe
0: Oliver Moore is still available.
1: Yeah, but I, I'd say they're also a team that's drafted some goal scorers in the past. They like Brock Besser a lot, Colby mm-hmm. Barlow, yeah. Is he somebody that could be a fit for for Winnipeg? The profile of a player that they've drafted in the past and been interested in in the past.
0: Uh, It's difficult if you are GM Kevin Cheveldayoff. You know, they made the big trade earlier in the week, moving off of uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Of course, you'd love to get a center into the organization as, you know, they have moved Pierre-Luc Dubois. They're a year out from unrestricted free agency with Mark Scheifele, and there is a lot of speculation that he is also with one foot on the way out of the peg so how do you go about building your team if you are kevin shovel do you have to take a centerman here again as we always say when it comes to drafting for need you know one of the things that gets overlooked when we talk about that is like a lot of these guys aren't getting to the nhl for two maybe three even four years mm-hmm. so you can't really like drafting for need it's not the same conversation in the NHL as it is in the NFL, where a guy yeah. is going to immediately dr- jump into a lineup.
1: It changes so quickly and it can't yeah. change. And I mean, what's to say that in a couple of years, for instance, somebody on Vancouver's team is not going to be here for whatever reason. Yep. And then all of a sudden it looks a lot different on your projections. Right. Uh, so, so I think that's what you can't do. And especially at this stage in a draft like this, where there's so many talented players here, especially right now, just take what you can get. Cause usually you're not going to be able to get that, that type of talent at 17 18 19 so don't don't overthink it and get cute
0: uh the Winnipeg Jets have the pick in hand and they are at the podium still no trades in the first round of the NHL entry draft I'm going to lament that for a bit uh Winnipeg Jets on the podium for the 18th overall pick
3: Back quickly we'll see what they have at 18 On behalf of the Winnipeg Jets, I'd like to thank the City of Nashville for tremendous events. I'd love to congratulate David Poyle for a tremendous career. Thank you very much for all your mentorship. I also would like to say hello to all our fans back at Canada Life Centre at our Draft barbecue. Winnipeg Jets are proud to select from Owen Sound of the OHL, Colby
2: Barlow.
0: So there he goes. He was uh, on this show two weeks ago. Talked about his great mustache. He's uh, grown out a full beard around it now. Uh, But uh, Colby Barlow goes to the Winnipeg Jets.
1: Yeah. uh, Friend of the show, like you mentioned. So we are rooting for him just because of that. And we have Oliver Moore, another friend of the show, who's mm-hmm. still on the board. But I think it makes it makes a lot of sense, like we mentioned. I think he fits the profile of player that they've liked in the past. And I'm a big, big fan of his game. I mean, you're talking about probably outside of Bedard and Michkov, mm-hmm. the best pure goal scorer in this draft. Yeah. And he's not too far off in terms of like pure shot release and ability from those guys to begin with. He doesn't have the same hands, overall skill, um, that those guys do, but he also plays a completely different style. Like, I can see him in a couple years, like in a few years in the NHL, being that, you know, six-foot-one, rugged winger that can do a bit of everything, scores 40, 50 goals maybe, and is a beast to play against in the postseason. That's the type of player he could be upside-wise, and to get that at 18 or 19, uh, that, that, that's really good value.
0: Um, you know, Kyle connor has been a player that's just absolutely terrorized the Canucks over the last number of years, and Colby Barlow could be that type of as well i mean he was and is an incredible goal scorer 46 goals here in his draft eligible year with the owen sound attack and you mentioned a power game right so he's not necessarily the biggest guy ever but you know it's six foot one he's not a small player has the great shot but the motor as well how much do teams love wall guys Love guys who get in hard on the forecheck, guys that you can project out to help you not only in the regular season, but also play a playoff style of game. That's Colby Barlow.
1: Well, he absolutely is. I mean, just look at how these teams are winning Stanley Cups. Look at the type of players the Panthers had up front Mm -hmm. and more so look at the wingers and forwards. The Golden Knights had. We sat here and spoke glowingly about Barbashev. What did the Vegas Golden Knights do today? They traded Riley Smith to make room for Barbashev and gave him five times five. A team that just won a Stanley Cup. Why did they do that? They valued the type of player he is and how he can play in the postseason. It's hard to find those players. And sometimes it's not just about having a guy who can score 30, 40 goals. It's like, well, can you play? You know, hey, hey, when you're not scoring goals, are you helping us or hurting us? Can you play a a game that's going to help us win in the postseason? And, you know, I think that oftentimes we get so mesmerized by the offensive skills guys have and the overall production they have. And it's all great. Mm-hmm. But when we try to put a winning team together, there's only so many of those guys you can actually have. And then the rest you have to be able to build out. And guys that can do that and at least play safe, I think it's it is undervalued. It's a hard thing.
0: If you're a perimeter player in junior it's hard to develop a game that allows you to be a player that, yeah, it's hard to develop an inside game, you know, and some like, certainly some guys do it, but some guys have a great shot that they can score from distance in junior. Are you going to be able to score from distance when you get to the national hockey league? Probably not, (laughs) you know, not as easily. That's for sure. So how do you build a game or start to develop a game where you are able to get, the inside to the higher danger areas into scoring areas and when you see a player like Colby Barlow it's like yeah he's got a great shot but he also plays that type of game where he's willing to go to the hard areas of the ice no
1: he really is right and I think that makes him a super super intriguing player and long term uh, the only question is will he have enough help
2: yeah with that Winnipeg
1: organization and will they be in Winnipeg Yes. In six years, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, am I? Uh, 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 nobody beats that drum harder uh, than Sat. <laughs> Listen, I'm just I mean, saying. when they
0: threaten their fans, like mm, so was buy the tickets. On the Lander, so, <laughs> so who knows? Who's,
1: who's to say he's wrong about the Jets? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounded like they're putting on a pretty good draft party, though, like a barbecue, barbecue. Yeah, the free
1: food is that how, how they brought people in? <laughs> I don't know. Free hot dogs. With one, with the purchase of season tickets, yeah, yeah, buy a season ticket, yeah, buy a ticket to so get a free hot dog.
0: It's the one month of the year where it's mm-hmm. actually warm in Winnipeg. Please yeah. come out and enjoy some barbecue while we uh, watch our
1: team draft 18th overall. Pre- precisely. So now at 19, Chicago is on the board. Yes, and we're already sick about Chicago, but they drafted Connor Bedard first mm-hmm. overall.
0: And now they can maybe get Oliver Moore. I mean, you
1: can have your one-two punch down the middle.
0: Yep. For the yeah. next,
1: like, you, you mean if they take more here, and we'll see if they do, they can do that. Uh, we mentioned Bonk, the mm-hmm. righty defenseman. He's available. He's a guy that obviously could be taken. Do they want to get a running mate for uh, Bedard long term? Gabe Perot, bit of yeah. a playmaker. You could view that as hey, he can be a pretty good skill guy next to Bedard mm-hmm. and help set him up, and they can play off one another, and that could be something pretty enticing. Um. So they can go a, few, a variety of different ways here. Do you look for help for Connor Bedard? Do you draft, you know, a guy who can be a second-line center, at worst your third-line center long-term? Or do you stockpile your defense, which, you know, you already added Korchinski last year and have a couple of guys. But, uh, you know, they can go in a variety of ways. And either way they go here, Dan, it can be pretty... Like, as far as the winger goes and as far as the, the center goes, mm-hmm. I think they have two very good options.
0: Yeah, I think... Um... Drafting a defenseman with some of the the forward names still on the board would be a bit of a surprise here for me. With the Chicago Blackhawks, their pick is in. They are going to make this selection. They're going to have about 7,000 selections over the next couple of days with all of the wheeling and dealing that they have been doing. But um, Oliver Moore, Gabe Perot, probably the two top players available on a lot of draft boards right now. I guess you could throw in... Uh, names like Edward Shala to that conversation um, if you want to go a little bit deeper maybe a Callum Ritchie as well but we'll see what Chicago has in stores. they step up to the podium the 19th overall selection their second in the draft after selecting Connor Bedard first overall let's see what Chicago has for their second pick of the first round
5: with the 19th pick in the NHL draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select Oliver Moore from the U.S. National Development Program. This
0: is another great pick for Chicago, and uh, pains me to say it, but uh, I really like Oliver Moore. And uh, the skating is so intriguing. It's, it's
1: dynamic.
0: The speed is so intriguing that this player plays with to see a player play at that speed and sometimes he makes those incredibly flashy plays, yes. you know, when he's putting defenders on their heels because he's coming at them with just such incredible pace. Yes. Uh, it's frightening. It can be frightening with the way that he's able to gain speed with just two strides. It's um you know, it, it's really intriguing, but sometimes that
1: speed can get him into trouble. It it really can. And it kind of the same question people have about Nate Danielson is it uh because of his speed? Uh, is it because of him being a bit limited, or is it because he plays at such a high speed that he's always a play? He's always ahead of the play, and if he's ahead of the play all the time, is that going to be easier for him to adjust to the National Hockey League and higher levels because they'll be closer to his pace, yeah, and even you know at his pace, perhaps even above his pace in certain st- instances because of you know how how great the league is? I think there you might see that flourish more, and if it does, Dan, then we're talking about a surefire top two centerman because yeah. the, the the floor it very much as a third line center, mm-hmm. but if those things are projected, then the type of second line center you can be a two way second line center that can take matchups despite his size and all that, and be tenacious behind Connor Bedard, who's your offensive dynamo. Like it's player type wise, sure you like him to be a bit bigger. But honestly, you can't really ask for too much more in terms of having stylistic differences between your first and second line center potentially.
0: It's, uh, it is it is an interesting one with more. You, know, um, you know, seeing some of the names that have come off the board before him, uh, we often see more centers come off the board and uh, even defensemen. And we saw that certainly the first nine of the first 11 picks were centermen or defensemen. And we've seen a little bit more wingers start to go here in the teens of this first round of the NHL entry draft and that's what pushed Moore down a little bit further but uh, the raw ability as a skater uh, just gives him such a high floor as a player that I'm I'm kind of surprised that he's fallen all the way to 19 here for the Chicago Blackhawks
1: yeah I am surprised but at the same time like there was next to no buzz around Moore yeah you know like and sometimes like we said the buzz isn't always indicative but Arizona surprised us with Shimishev. Everything else kind of went to what we expected based on what we heard. We mentioned on the show Detroit Danielson at yeah. 9 is a possibility. We've heard that's out there. Uh, you know, there's certain things that we kind of had a decent sense of. But at no point was there a, any rumor or suggestions about, hey, Oliver Moore. Like, he's, yeah. he's viewed as as a guy that could kind of find himself in that top 12-15 range. That never really materialized.
0: I just kind of wonder, like, if Moore was playing on that top line. Yeah. You know, in with the U.S. national development team program, how how differently do we look at him as a player? Because you know, Will Smith scored a bazillion points. So did Ryan Leonard, who scored over fifty goals, and Gabe Perot had uh, the most points out of all of them, I I believe. So. You know, that line just scored for fun. And uh, not that Oliver Moore played with scrubs on his wings, but, you know, he just, the, the second line talent wasn't there in the same way that the first line talent
1: was. No, it just wasn't. Yeah. You know, and I, th- I just think that's kind of the, 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 the reality of some of that stuff That's there, why but... it
0: becomes hard to, like, project some of these players.
1: It does. Now, I would say, like, outside of Daniil Boo. Yes. Who, I mean, I, I knew, I heard that a lot of people liked him. I'm not as high on him as as others were. I mean, just, just kind of my my opinion on it. Yeah. But outside of that, like, look at the guys that have gone above him. Benson, mm-hmm. like, pretty high-end talent guy, right? Braden Yeager, who we mentioned before. Again, another guy you shouldn't sleep on. We haven't had a chance to talk about him a lot. Sneaky good pick there by the Pittsburgh Penguins yeah. at 14. Getting Are Braden y- Yeager. You're a big Yeager guy? Yeah, I mean, I like a lot of things about Yeager. I'm friend of the show as well, so we yep. always give him some love. But, you know, joking, but beyond that, like... I think there's a lot there with the Ager. So I totally understand why somebody would have him in the top 15. Matthew Wood, we talked about how incredible his scoring was. Uh, as we spoke about Hansik and, and Eddie broke down a lot of traits and good things about him. Axel Sandin-Pelika, what do we spend a lot of time talking about? One of the most talented defensemen in this draft. Yeah. Cody Barlow, one of the best goal scorers in this draft what did we do about a month ago remember this guys we started going through like we're like okay so who are the top ten prospects and then we had twenty names yeah we're like so how do we how do we figure this out you know and that's where we're at now yes. you know so so it shouldn't be that big of a surprise because as much as yes I, I would have taken him higher outside of daniel boot a little bit out you know he's a guy we didn't discuss so much it, it's all kind of like guys we mentioned that would be in that range and we're in the mix of going anywhere from like you know eight to 20 even Arizona
0: with the uh, surprises of the first round selected Simashev at six and then his locomotive teammate Daniil Boo at 12 with their two top 12 selections so that was um, super interesting how that played out. They went and selected the two teammates, making sure that they get them both on board. Like, hey, you guys can remain teammates forever, and uh, we can all have fun in whatever arena we might be playing in three years from now when you actually come over from Russia. Uh, (laughs) So there's uh, part of that discussion, maybe, with the Arizona Coyotes. But that's been the biggest surprise so far of the first round. But we are getting into... The 20s, the Seattle Kraken, have their first round selection coming up. Ron Francis, their general manager, and the rest of their entourage are heading up to the podium. They have the 20th overall selection. We'll see what they do here. An interesting spot for them. Gabe Perot still on the board. And beyond that, this is where the draft starts to get more interesting and even more variance starts to pop up. Let's go back to the podium.
6: Select from Cometa Brno, Eduard Schala.
0: Eduard Schala is the latest pick, and this is a player that there was quite a bit of debate, maybe polarizing over how to project this player, because you see flashes of incredible talent sat, but it kind of dips in and out, and... You wonder if uh, it will ever find a level of consistency that is required to be an NHL player.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a big question. Now, there are those that love him, like love his upside. And, you know, uh, I know in terms of the scouting community outside of the industry, and former NHL GM Craig Button is a guy that views him as, you know, a David Pasternak type. Because there are those that view his uh, instincts around the net, his goal scoring ability, and his pace when he can play with and his athleticism as being a pretty dynamic combo, it's just been pretty inconsistent. The one thing I would say, though, about that, is it fair to knock a 17, 18-year-old for consistency when he's trying to figure out how to play pro against men?
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, yeah, he's probably going to be inconsistent at times. Do we now,
0: expect too much sometimes?
1: I think I think that's a fair question to ask. Now, given how strong this draft is and how many players drafted ahead of him were playing against similar types of levels... Mm -hmm. and doing so more successfully you can understand why he goes a bit later but the the knocks on him i don't think are necessarily really bad knocks it's more judging him on the scale compared to what what other players are available here in this draft and you know if people are right about shala's goal scoring and and overall offensive upside he can be a pretty nice steal here for for the seattle kraken
0: plus hands uh plus shot uh good skater as well so you know, there is a lot to like in the profile as an offensive player, uh, but still a lot of growth needed for Edward Schala, who goes to the Seattle Kraken here. Uh, we will get to the 21st election. The Minnesota Wild are going to be on the clock. We'll get to that after the break. You are listening to Draft Central. The latest pick in the first round of the NHL Entry Draft has gone to the Minnesota Wilds. and They've taken Charlie Strammel out of the University of Wisconsin. Uh, really interesting player there. A little bit off of uh, many draft boards, but um, you know, we're getting into that range where you know, end of the first round, early parts of the second, where we always talk about variance, but there's always a ton of variance in draft boards at this range, Uh, that
1: there is absolutely. And I don't think you should be surprised at all at this point, depending on what names go off the board. Yeah. Uh, And I know if you look at some of the draft lists, it's easy to look at and be like, well, you know, there, there are guys that are like Quinton musty, for instance, Mm -hmm. who I know elite prospects has as a top 12 prospect prospect. Uh, Grayson and Callum Ritchie, who you mentioned, those were viewed as top 15 prospects, all three of those guys. So, I mean, there are players that are available. Andrew Crystal, the real talented player, Gabe Perot, that people are familiar with. And there is going to be some, you know, shock, I think, and surprise when those players don't get selected and somebody else that you haven't heard about as much like a Charlie Stramble does. But I don't think you should be too surprised at this stage, especially when we're getting to this point of the draft. And I'd even say that, uh, mention Bonk, don't be surprised if he goes. And now we're getting into that territory where Riley Height, Otto Stenberg, Ethan Gauthier even, are these guys who may even go above some of the players we mentioned earlier as being higher ceiling players.
0: Uh, The Philadelphia Flyers are the next team on the board. They have the pick that was given to them from the L.A. Kings after they um, gave up Ivan Provorov to the Columbus Blue Jackets and uh, took back Cal Peterson and his onerous contract along with Sean Walker and young right shot defenseman Helga Grons mm-hmm. so uh this is the Philadelphia pick that's coming up they've already selected Matvey Michkoff here in the first round so this is um you know a chance for Philadelphia to continue to do their builds you know they went with the long-term play the high upside of Matvey Michkoff and you know, Daniel Briere by all accounts has um you know, maybe outside of the Kevin Hayes deal has a lot of fans and what he's been able to do so far as uh, the Flyers are doing something their fans have called for them to do for a long time in a big-time rebuild.
1: Yeah, and and that is, you know, to go for not only having high picks, but go for some really high-end talent and adding that to their to their ranks as massive in Michkov, And there's an opportunity here now too, to add to that type of group of players. You yeah. mentioned the players who are available now, and I'm curious to see which way they go here as an organization. They certainly need a lot of everything. You mm-hmm. know, it's not just, hey, you need high end. You can still take pretty much anything that you need. But for an organization that's been talking quite a bit about trying to get guys with that higher ceiling, are they going to pass on the gay pro type guys that are still available here? I wouldn't say he's typically a flyer type, mm-hmm. but he does have undeniable skill. Uh,
0: Gabe Pro is the highest scorer of uh, that top line with the U.S. National Development Team program and is still on the board. Some other interesting names on the board as well, but let's hear what Daniel Briere has in store with the 22nd pick.
1: The Flyers are proud to select... From the London Knights of the OHL, Oliver Bonk.
0: Oliver Bonk goes to the Philadelphia Flyers.
1: Another defenseman, mm-hmm. righty defenseman Oliver Bonk is now gone. So after Axis sending Poliak, we guess the next defenseman to go is going to be Oliver Bonk, and he goes at twenty-two to Philly.
0: It's interesting how um, you know we've talked so much about right-shot defensemen and how. Rare they are to come by, and yet even in this draft where it is uh, light on defensemen, I would say, in comparison to other drafts,
1: A lot of them seem to be on the right side. There are a number, and there are a number of interesting guys that can fall to day two as well, right? But for as much as people say that about this year's draft class, and this is where, you know, so when I was evaluating the defenseman and looking at it for myself, and I'm like, okay, trying to figure out, okay, between Shimashev, Reinbacher, Axel Sandin, Palika, and Willander, how much separation is there between these guys? Yeah. And guess what I came away with? Them being the same t- same tier, yeah. And the reason I ended up liking Willander, I wouldn't say the most. I kind of, I think I still like Reimbocker. If I had, if I had to choose, I may have gone Reimbocker. But I think they're very close. The reason I like Willander so much is he provided a profile that it's so rare to find. Mm-hmm. And when you're that fleet of foot, and you're that good defensively, and that mature in your game, and I still see some upside here offensively with how he can move the puck and do things, I just think it's such a rare thing to find and i think that in a draft class like this where you have a bit of everything i thought it was actually pretty strong when i started watching those guys i'm like what is what is all all this talk about a bad defense class yeah. defensive class and to prove that point in in the first what 11 picks of the draft yep three defensemen go and yep. four defensemen get picked in the top 17 yep well, defensemen are always going to go. They are. But I think these guys are actually are really talented as well. And I see somebody mentioning in the text inbox asking us, uh, I think it was Chris and Duncan, would it have been better for the Canucks to take Axel Sandin-Pelika wise? wise, um, And would he have been a better fit than Hironic potentially? Well, I don't think Axel Sandin-Pelika actually works on this team long term, as long as you have Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Now that's not to say you shouldn't draft him if you think he's the best asset and best player available. But in terms of you know that question and the type of player that he is, he's a pure offensive upside guy. And if you are not playing him on the power play, the first unit, and if he's not playing that role exclusively, almost you are not going to get full value. You can't get him and have him on power play too. You can't get him and expect him to PK or be more of a defensive guy. Like you have to get him and and make him kind of the engine of your offense. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know the Pelica is. Um... You know, he was the pick at 17. Oliver Moore was also on, on the board there. And, you know, in my mind, like, if you were the Canucks and you were rebuilding, you know, to, to be able to select Willander and Oliver Moore and add that to your stable of prospects, that would be a really intriguing option. And have a second-day pick as well, second-round pick yeah, uh, in this draft. That's what they gave up for Philip Peronik. But... This team, you know, they're not just trying to be able to start to build out a bit more of a prospect pool and and have something coming two, three, four years down the line. They also want to be able to be competitive in the next two, three years mm-hmm. while they have, you know, Elias Pettersson, while they have Quinn Hughes on, you know, this very valuable contract they currently have him on, and also Thatcher Demko at $5 bucks a year. And how are you able to compete with those guys on your roster and the clock ticking on their contracts, you go out and you get NHL-ready talent. And that's what they did with the Filipronik trade.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, if you're not rebuilding, then I get it. And again, it just comes down to the, the the pathway you're taking. If you're taking a rebuilding pathway, then of course, there's no way for you to take to trade that pick. You should have held on to it and made the selection. But as we know, Vancouver's taking a completely different path to it. But what they have done, though, in the matter of what? five months now mm-hmm. they have acquired a righty defenseman that plays in their top four now and they've acquired a righty defenseman of the future so they have addressed the biggest organizational need for this or, for this team in a pretty significant way in the span of five months yeah it's taken a long time they still need to do more and you have to have more and we have to see if will lander as much as i like him still pans out and, and is the player that we all hope that he is but They've taken a meaningful step now to addressing the biggest organizational need that they've had. And again, did they take Willander because he was a righty defenseman? I think it played a part into it, but I think they viewed him as the best player available. Had Nate Danielson been there at nine, that would have been really fascinating. Because the buzz had kind of been, maybe Vancouver prefers Danielson. Yeah, if you had heard our... um...
0: Uh, our Willander interview from earlier you can check it out available on podcast but you know he got a pretty good sense that the Canucks were really into him uh, through some of the conversations that they had and the dialogues that they had he was really happy to be selected by the Canucks as you could hear in our conversation and even uh, we're going to talk more in depth with Patrick Alveen at some point before the end of the night but uh, in the short interview he did with Elliott Friedman, they had calls on potentially moving down, but decided not to. Let's go back to the podium in Nashville as the New York Rangers are on the clock with the 23rd selection.
8: The New York Rangers are proud to select from the U.S. under-18
0: team, Gabriel Perot. So the Rangers, with the 23rd overall pick, select Gabriel Perot, and uh, it's a nice little ad For them, uh, they've had a tough time developing forwards in that organization, whether it comes to Capo Caco or Alexis Lafreniere, go down the list. But uh, Gabriel Perot, now a New York Ranger.
1: Yeah. And, you know, in terms of pure offensive wizardry, he ranks up there. Yeah. But he is also a player who. There is potential that he's not really going to be anything in the nhl and the reason the potential is there is he's not exactly the most physical guy Mm -hmm. um he's not the strongest player now the strength and the size stuff that can improve he's not the shortest smallest guy but i think that stuff is something that he can obviously improve and get better at but needs to get quicker a lot quicker yeah and his overall defensive attributes and play leaves something to be desired he might be a pure offensive winger Mm -hmm. like a pure offensive winger and hey that may work out really well for you, but I think that's maybe one of you the You've got to be why. able to
0: score at a really yes. high level if NHL teams are going to put up with you as a pure offense winger.
1: Yeah, and if he does, you know, I mean, if he does, then he's going to be a, a huge steal for this team here, picking at number 23. And I'd say that's the main reason why he lasted as long as he did in a deep draft like this one. Despite having undeniable offensive potential and, and great production, Did do teams feel like he has enough, here's another word we've been using a lot, functionality mm-hmm. right and i think that's the thing that kind of held him down but do not deny he's an incredibly offensively talented player
0: the uh, nashville predators about to be on the clock for their second uh first round pick of the Knights. uh pick they acquired in the matthias ekholm trade to the edmonton oilers uh, nashville selected with their first pick at 15th overall matthew would. Uh, so, still a lot to discuss on the Vancouver Canucks front as they select Tom Willander here in the first round. Uh, this question coming in to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox: 650, 650. Any chance Canucks can trade and get a second for tomorrow? Is Silov's a good option to mm. maybe Buffalo? Uh,
1: we I think we answered the Buffalo question in the past. Somebody else may have asked it. I think but, it was on
0: the mailbag and on Friday.
1: Yeah, and I I just don't see why they would give a second to bring another young guy into the fold when they have Devin Levi, who they acquired, who they believe in. Mm-hmm. They also have uh, Uko. what is it Uka-Pekka-Lukunin. Uka Pekalukinen? Uka Uka young goalie who has upside. It doesn't seem they like... they still
0: kept Eric Comrie. Yeah, like they're, they're set, you know? Th- they
1: are. And I don't. I just don't think that they're going to prioritize trading for a goalie like Seelovs. And even if you can get a second for Seelovs, I don't know if the team wants to do that right now because I think they, they're investing in him and maybe he is the goalie of the future. And is that what you want to, you know, punch that ticket in for? I'd say the Canucks could draft, trade into the second round by doing what we've been discussing in the past. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe use some of their surplus of third and fourth round picks to move up to select somebody they really like in the second round. Yeah, And uh, as the way it's playing out right now, there could be and will be a lot of interesting names at the top of the second round when it does come to that point. And Canucks are in a really interesting spot. We have a moment here to sort of think about what's going to happen uh, beyond this first round, Sat, and as we get to free agency, some movement earlier today, the Vegas Golden Knights, Moved Riley Smith to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for a third round selection in 2024. And after that happened, the Vegas Golden Knights signed Ivan Barbashev to a five-year, $25 million contract. We talked about Barbashev as a potential free agent target for the Canucks. That is no longer a possibility.
1: No, uh, Barbashev. And as I wipe a tear, and maybe maybe it was too much for Vancouver to get Barbashev and Willander.
0: It's a good thing they didn't let you uh, negotiate with Barbashev. You would have given them everything.
1: Six times six, yes. let's go. No, I wouldn't have done that. What's it going to
0: take to get you to Vancouver? <laughs> Just write it on a napkin.
1: I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Barbashev, no matter what. Um, I mean, that. I, so I am actually, I am a little bit, uh, I honestly, so as much as we heard, I heard Vancouver's in on him or wanted to chase him, there was a li- limit they wouldn't go to, I think. And I think... Um, You know, I don't know if they would have done six times six or anything like that. Would they have done five times six or maybe slightly less times six? Maybe. And I would have been for it because I like Barbershop a lot. Now, my big opinion has been, add Barbashev as long as you're able to move Garland out. And the Canucks haven't done that yet. Yeah. And I think that's a question that is going to keep looming here as we get through the first round of the draft. Are the Canucks able to move another salary? Now, if the Canucks had, let's say, a Barbershop in mind and that player is not there anymore, does that... Um, lessen their, say, immediacy and urgency in shedding a salary. Where it's like, maybe you're not quite as desperate. Because one of the things that they've always said is we, we're shedding something because we know we have something else in play. Yes, I still think they want to shed salary no matter what because they want to do other things at some point here. And yes, the Canucks can use their draft picks to move into the second round, and that could happen. But maybe, just maybe, they have to use one or two of those picks that they're in and fourth rounders to offload a contract. And is that something that happens tomorrow when teams are trying to add more day two picks? All of a sudden, is that going to be the sweetener you can use to move off some salary?
0: Well, what what free agent target are you going after if you open up extra space now? We're talking Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko. I I don't think they're doing doing
1: Tarasenko types. And Ryan O'Reilly may be priced out anyways. Mm Mm-hmm. And he may want a big role, a bigger money anyways. Yeah. But if you have a chance to move the money, don't get stuck in the same spot you were before by not moving it. So maybe that's a consideration.
0: Uh, Barry Trotz at the podium for the 24th pick of the NHL draft.
5: Thank you. Thank you, Smashville. Now,
3: to make our second pick in the first round, our captain, Roman Yossi. And legendary goaltender, Pekka Rennie.
2: up, <laughs> to you guys. Sucks, Nashville. Let's go!
5: With 24th pick of 2023
1: draft, Nashville is proud to select
8: Tanner. <laughs> Tanner Molendike from Saskatoon.
0: Welcome to Astro, Tanner. I think the goalie union was playing a factor there. He's helping out. Oh, carry. Pecorine was doing was doing his old pal carry Price a solid. Don't do it. carry. Don't do it. carry. <laughs> the gears are turning.
1: Oh man, he did. He pulled the carry Price off. He did. Uh, Tanner
0: Molendike, uh, going to the Nashville Predators with the twenty fourth selection here
8: Funny in the enough. NHL Entry Draft. Uh, Everyone had a little bit of trouble with Molendike's name and the Western Hockey League, actually, the Blade specifically, threw out a clip of a lot of broadcasters in the league butchering his name <laughs> earlier this year. It's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, it's
1: Molendick, right? Molendike. Molendick, yeah, Molendick. There we go.
8: Yeah, Molendick. And, you know,
1: uh, he's a guy that, I think was kind of viewed as being on the borderline of a first and a second round pick, viewed as being a second round uh, pick type of guy. And he kind of shoots up here and goes maybe a little bit higher than than some had perhaps anticipated. And that leaves a couple of really talented defensemen still available on the board. I mean, we mentioned a guy like Cameron Allen, Lucas Savic, for instance, Guliyaev, Caden Price, Bo Ake is another guy, yep. and uh, Lucas Kignoni. My guy, Cignone. Luka Kignoni. Luka Kignoni. Uh, and Aram Minitian is another righty defenseman to keep an eye on as well so uh, we'll see if more defensemen go and you know as we were talking about a bit earlier the defensemen are shooting up again like as for all the talk about this being a draft where not a lot of defensemen are going to go now we're, we're we're seeing what six defensemen now drafted so far in the yeah. first
0: round uh, we've seen quite a few here as uh, Molendijk the latest to go and You know, a player that his skating just absolutely jumps off the screen when you watch. You know, incredible four way mobility. And, you know, that helps him defend in the neutral zone and through transition because he is such a good skater. So, something to like there for the Nashville Predators, who, I mean, under Barry Trotz and David Poyle for a long, long time have built from the D out. But as far as defensemen in this first round, you know, there was Reinbacher at five. Simichev at six. The Canucks took Willander at 11. Pelika goes at 17 to Detroit. Oliver Bonk going in the last couple of picks here and now to Philadelphia at 22. And now you have another one in Tanner Molendijk. So, you know, we, we wondered how many defensemen would go in the first round, uh, certainly in the early part of the draft. It was maybe more than a lot of people expected, and now uh, a totally normal amount of defensemen end up in the first round of the entry draft and probably a couple of more before we're done here tonight, Seth.
1: Yeah, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all that we see another couple of defensemen go here. And, you know, what that's also going to do is create a, a scenario where some pretty fat, talented forwards are going to be going down as well and, and being available later in this draft. And I think some of those names here, um, you know, kind of include Andrew Crystal, who we mentioned, a very talented player, although much like Gabe Parole, maybe pure talent, more pure offensive player. Is he going to have enough in his... Um, Repertoire to be considered an all round player. And Oscar Fisker Molgaard is a guy to keep an eye on in terms of a more well rounded centerman. He's a Danish national. Does he find himself into the first round? And I'd say one of the more polarizing players in this year's draft, Jaden Perron. Right, Ooh. right winger. Yeah. Uh, some people that love him think he can be a top 10, 15 prospect. That's how good he is. Others view him as, hey, he's flawed. Maybe he should go in the set and, on day two, perhaps. But I don't see much difference in terms of him and, and guys like Gabriel Perot, to be honest. yeah, And and perhaps even, um, uh, you know, uh, like I mentioned before, um, guys like Riley Hyde, even. Mm-hmm. I think those guys fit into that mold. And the one player that I would say that I like a lot, but it's undersized, Gavin Brindley. He's still available as well, but very dynamic, undersized, uh, hardworking player that uh, has some upside. And, you know, hey, I don't love taking those guys maybe top 10, 15. Yeah. But once you get to the late 20s, early second round, he becomes a very, very intriguing player.
0: How did I know Gavin Brindley was going to be a
1: sad guy? (laughs) You know.
0: Just guy with an incredible motor gets in hard on the forecheck, plays an old man hockey game.
1: I'm saying he's just small. That's the only problem he has. He's five nine.
0: Brings his lunch pail to the to the rink every day. He plays hard, man. <laughs> he plays hard, and you know, what?
1: and that's what Zach Benson does as well, right? Like yeah. he does, and that's what I like a lot about Zach Benson, and that's why, like, I had Zach. If if the, if the Canucks would have drafted Zach Benson, I would have been, you know, I would have been, you know, applauding the pick and saying it's really good. I would have bemoaned the missing the chance on Willander, but Zach Benson's really talented. Yeah, Gavin Brindley, I, I'd say he's not quite at that level. But he's not too far off, and he's a little bit smaller. And I'd say, like, functionality-wise, I think there's a chance that Gavin Burnley has a pretty decent career.
0: Yeah. it's um, It's a, you know, he looks like a player that is going to have an NHL career. It's just a wonder of, you know, what... Kind of upside doesn't Gavin Brinley have, but he's uh, probably one of these tweener first, second round picks. Uh, The St. Louis Blues are on the clock. They'll have the 25th pick. We'll get to the final stages of the first round of the NHL entry draft. Still to talk to Patrick Alvine as well before the night is done here on Draft Central. Canucks Central in the Kintex studio. It's also Draft Central today. First round of the NHL entry draft, getting into the final third of the selections. The St. Louis Blues, while we were in break, took Otto Stenberg, who captained the Swedish under-18 team, to a silver medal at the uh, recent U18s. And uh, a player that's uh, got uh, really interesting... Backstory, really interesting player in general, and uh, obviously some leadership qualities as well to be a captain of that U18 team. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, leadership skills, and like we kind of outlined talking about him throughout the year, a player who had a mature game Mm -hmm. already. There are some questions about his offensive upside overall, but... At this stage of the draft, if you like his game, you think he's going to play and he has a lot of maturity and still has a little bit of ability, it makes some sense here. And that's kind of the range about where Otto Stenberg uh, you know, should find himself. Some discussions before, if he could find himself in the top 20, I think there's more fair about where his range is. And then San Jose, the following pick, take Quinton Musty yeah. at number 26. Uh, the talented forward who uh, he's got a lot of good things about him. But mm-hmm. he's got to improve his skating. He's got to improve his consistency. But there's a lot of raw talent in Quinton, Quinton Musty's game when you watch him. Uh,
0: there's a really high upside when it comes to the offense. And can play, you know, because of the size, can play, you know, a power forward type of game. Who doesn't love to have a power forward on their roster? You know, you, you see moments where he's got high, high IQ and makes a, you know, high level vision plays. Those are the types of things you like to see. Great shot. Good puck handler. So some real good tools when it comes to his game. But uh, putting it all together, still a little bit of a question mark for some that have evaluated Quentin Musty. But he goes to the San Jose Sharks. That was their second selection of the first round. They took Will Smith with the fourth overall pick. And uh, you know, St. Louis was the team taking Otto Stenberg. Uh, they still have the 29th pick. I don't know how many times I heard it over the last couple of weeks. No way St. Louis keeps all three of their first round picks. And yet <laughs> here we are three or four picks away from them being on the clock for their four or for their third pick of the first round. And it looks very likely given the limited amount of trade chatter yeah. that uh, St. Louis is going to be making that pick.
1: Yeah. And I mean, considering the players that are available and you know, the, when I did this list, and one of the things I joked about was I have about 51 names mm-hmm. that I think could go in the first round. 51. That's a lot of names. And I was like, I hope I don't get a name that's not on this, this list of 51 today. <laughs> like, I was hoping. Like, I'm like, you know, then I'll feel good about So if, if I'm identifying this list, and a lot of it is, isn't because I've watched every guy extensively. It's because I've watched, you know, a lot of them. But also talking to people, right? And, and some scouts getting a sense of it. And these are guys that this 50 list are guys that I've heard from scouts and people around the league that they view as first round pick caliber guys, or they have ranked in the top 30, 32. Mm -hmm. So if the list goes to 50, then at the same time, what is the urgency for teams to trade into the first round when you can just wait? Yes. And still get the player or the players that you want because you still view that list as being that deep.
0: And that's generally what happens. You know, teams will have anywhere from. 80 to 100 names that they have on their boards and a lot of times when you get into the second and third rounds you know those those lists can vary quite Mm -hmm. a bit from team to team so we'll see Uh, right now there hasn't been a trade made on the draft floor tonight and that's not something we necessarily expected sat right with guys like Alex DeBrinkat out there and available, although Pierre Dorian doesn't really like uh, the talent in this year's draft class, apparently. Apparently.
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> very convenient, yes, I would say. Very
0: convenient, as he has not now traded Alex DeBrinkat and continues to wait for calls to come in.
1: I, too, don't like uh, first-round picks when I don't have them. <laughs> um,
0: but, you know, it's it's been pretty quiet, and I wonder what that means as we get closer to free agency because as we spoke a little bit earlier, you know— uh, barbachev's name is off the list. severson's name mm-hmm. off the list. You know how many names that you may have liked in this year's free agency class have already you know locked into certain teams and been taken off the board. So is the trade route something that will continue to happen?
1: I, I think so. I think as we're seeing too, as much as we're sitting here and talking about, hey, the Canucks are going out the free agents, and you know to your question earlier. If there isn't anything obvious to spend on, is there should there be urgency? And we asked, you know, does urgency change in terms of moving the contract? I think it doesn't because you want to have flexibility. And if it's true that teams are trying to give away players for free, and some of these players are pretty decent— Could it also be true that there's a player that the Canucks would like to take on for free Mm -hmm. that they think fits better than the guy they're trying to give away for free?
0: Yes. (laughs) That's kind of the uh, the delicate dance they're trying to play, but nobody's taken Connor Garland on yet.
1: And and that's kind of been the issue. It seems like, and what we've seen so far too is, so we saw Riley Smith go for a third round pick. Yeah. Decent value.
2: Mm -hmm. I don't think you're getting that for Garland.
1: Right. Yeah. So do you have to give something up for Garland?
0: Uh, Let's go to Colorado on the clock for their pick.
5: From Oshawa, Callum Ritchie.
0: Callum Ritchie out of the Oshawa Generals uh, had a... Given where his draft stock was, I would say at the start of the year, I guess you could maybe say that he had a disappointing year. Uh, Fell down draft boards uh, as comparative to some that have shot up draft boards in recent weeks and months. But dealt with a shoulder injury throughout the course of the season was kind of the... uh, the leader on a bad Oshawa generals team. So kind of being asked to to put the team on his shoulders and wasn't necessarily ready for it. As uh, some of the people that watched him closely told me. And so it was a struggle for him at different points this year, but a guy that uh, does have a lot of tools that you might like. yeah. And if he can refine his game, you know, you might look at him and say, Oh, that was good value for Colorado at 27.
1: You know, it's funny because the guy they've traded away yeah. Um, and the guy they just drafted are not too dissimilar mm-hmm. outside of the pace that Newhook has that I think is a bit higher than Richie. But I think you see the profile is very similar. Yeah. So what they did was acquire Ross Colton for the second round pick they got for Alex Newhook. Yeah. And then they acquired a player of a similar mold mm-hmm. to
0: add back into the organization. Yeah.
1: Now, the one thing I would say about Colorado, Colorado is better at making trades than making draft selections outside of the top picks. Mm-hmm. And we've we've detailed this on previous Canuck Central shows, but their draft record and draft development outside of the tie picks has been very poor. Yes. And they just traded another one in another one in Alex Newhook. Yeah. Who they, you know, obviously didn't become the player they had hoped, at least not on the timeline they had hoped. So um yes, it's a smart move. The question is: Are you going to be successful in the draft and development part of it?
0: Uh, that's been tough for Colorado. Yes, they've developed Nathan McKinnon. Yes, they've developed Miko Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog, Bowen Byram, Kale McCarr. Those are all very high draft choices. I, you know, they've done really well at you know free agent signings and acquiring players in trade, but haven't really done the development thing later on in the first round or beyond the first round, all that much as we've talked about. But they get a right shot center here with the 27th overall pick in Callum Ritchie. And, you know, Colorado's an interesting team. You know, we've talked about taking on players for free. They essentially took on Ryan Johansson for free, spent the second round pick to take Ross Colton from Tampa Bay earlier today. They've done some good business to try and – Retool their franchise after you know a disappointing exit in the Western Conference playoffs this year.
1: Yeah, it certainly was uh, disappointing. Uh, brand new general manager mm-hmm. at the helm now to Brad Tree Living, mm-hmm. and you know so far. All he's done is bring somebody back and David Kompf. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. not much has changed. Bringing the coach back as well. So not much is changing, at least not initially so far. It kind of reminds me of when Mike Gillis came in for Dave Nonis And people thought, like, all these changes are going to happen. And the first thing that he did was bring AV back. And he made yeah. a couple of moves, but largely kept uh, the whole team intact. And I think that seems to be the plan here for Toronto. But also with the draft, this is a team that has traded a lot of assets away, a mm-hmm. lot of picks away, and some prospects away. I wonder where they go
0: here. With the 28th overall pick, the Toronto Maple Leafs now on the clock. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's kind of what I wonder about a little bit here, because um, that's a team that obviously can look at it as we just take BPA and none mm-hmm. of it matters in, in that sense. But do they have a high-end player maybe in mind here?
0: Uh, we'll see what Brad Living does uh, with his first pick. In the NHL draft as the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, don't believe he was allowed at the draft table for most of the night, but he is walking up to the podium here. So now that I'm here, I'm making the selection,
1: <laughs> damn it. And I mean, so like in terms of high-end players, there's Gabe Perot. I'm sorry, not Gabe Perot. He was allowed after Calgary picked, yes, as uh, Eddie points out to Exactly. Uh, and so there's Andrew Crystal, who's mm-hmm. still available. Um uh, there is uh, Grayson Sotchin as well, another guy that profiles as being a, uh, more of a higher-end scorer. We know that Toronto goes after those guys. And then my guy, Gavin Brindley. Yeah, He's available here too, and that kind of just screams uh, a Toronto type of pick, so we'll see what happens.
0: Uh, Gavin Brindley rated as the hardest worker uh, by McKean's in uh, this upcoming draft. So See,
1: I don't dislike all sh- short players, for those wondering.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there are some players undersized that... Uh are still liked by one Satiar Shah. Uh, so the Maple Leafs here on the clock, and uh, they have a lot of work still to do. We'll talk a little bit about that David Kampf contract uh, after the Leafs make this selection. It is uh, the final five picks of the first round of this year's entry draft. Let's go to the podium where the Toronto Maple Leafs will make the 28th overall pick.
4: Just wanted to thank the city of Nashville for some great hospitality. Thank Billy Garrett for the open bar bill at Tootsie's all week. (laughs) Um, And we'd like to congratulate and thank David Poyle. He's been a mentor to many of us, and congratulations on a great career. Uh, To make our selection, I'll uh, call up our head scope.
0: All right, we will uh, go back to the Maple Leaf selection in a little bit, but uh, we'll tell you what it was. After we talk to the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, Patrick Alveen, who takes precedence uh, over the Maple Leafs selection. In, not-
1: in Vancouver, we trump the Leafs, not the other way around. <laughs> not the other way around. How's yeah.
0: it going, Patrick?
9: Yeah, pretty good. I, I'm glad to hear that, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, we dumped the Leafs to talk to you, so this is, uh, this is, this is big. Uh, obviously, a big night. We could see your reaction on television when talking to Elliot Friedman. You seem pretty excited uh, to, to be able to select Tom Alander there at 11th overall
9: yeah and, and this is uh, credit to the, to my scouting staff how hard they worked uh, identifying the players and putting the list together and, and I would say uh, uh, from November on, they've been uh, super impressed with, with Tom's game, um, how he matured, how his game took off, and uh, there was no hesitation when he was available there at 11
1: and in terms of you know you guys have been mentioning how the draft list is always fluid and you mentioned he's been impressive since november but he's a guy that at least on the on the public side of things has kind of snuck up on us but you know we mentioned a couple months ago that he's a guy that to really keep keep in mind and one of the things that we see people pushing back on is they view him as a defensive defenseman that perhaps is limited offensively but i know you mentioned in your media availability before joining us that you had him clearly as best player available but there's more offensive ability there because when you see him handle the puck and you see Team on the blue line with how he skates and how he can walk the line. There's a lot of ability there. So what does he have to do, you think, Patrick, to be able to bring that out a bit more when he comes to North America this upcoming season?
9: Well, I, th- I think it's more um, how uh, you've been taught the game over in Europe. Uh, I think the responsibility is in your own end taking care of that first. Uh, uh, he, he really impressed uh, myself at the U18 in April there, um, taking over the the number one power play and and how deceptive he was in the blue line uh, walking the line uh seeing his options and and executing so with his ability to skate, i think there is uh there's uh good potential to uh join the rush even more here and uh, uh when you know when he was growing up he played forward so the skill set is there uh, i i just uh, i just think we've got to, continue to work with him there.
0: Yeah, really uh, intriguing profile as a player. And, and you know, you mentioned uh, taking care of his own end in the, in the D zone. You know, some of the, the, the other prospects available, we see some incredibly high offensive upside. But, you know, h- how important is it to try and identify and, and be able to project out a player that you know shows some real defensive traits as well because the league continues to grow and you see more speed and skill in the league it's it's harder and harder to find true defensive defensemen that are able to get the job done
9: yeah yeah you guys are right in that regards but i i wouldn't have uh tom at a Uh, defensive defenseman I, I think he's more of a uh, transitional defenseman mm-hmm. the guy who's who's making sure the puck goes up ice quickly uh his ability to join the rush um you know his uh regroup and, and neutral zone uh uh is really impressive how he he's able to move the puck see the see the see his options uh and I think in today's game, you're going to have uh, uh, players who uh, are willing to go down and pick up the puck and, and deliver the first pass, and that's that's the intriguing part for Tom.
1: Well, and you know the fact that he has a physicality, a good frame as well, make, makes him very intriguing. But also in in general. It's pretty rare now, isn't it, not only to find good righty defenseman prospects, but also good righty defenseman prospects that are intuitive defensively and have that type of defensive upside. How hard is it becoming to find 17-, 18-year-old kids that can project as being good defensively and good transitionally at the next level?
9: Yeah, you're right. It's it's getting definitely harder and harder. I think that's where we challenge our our staff and, and project those players and find them. Um, and then it's it's up to us in in uh, Vancouver Canucks to help those guys too. I think that's why we built out our development staff uh, last year to get in uh, more resources to, to help the young players uh, grow the game. And, and uh, as I said before, it's not a sprint; it's a marathon to get there. Uh,
0: when you think about this pick from uh, the organizational perspective, you know, building out your defense, you know, two three years down the line, how does how does Tom fill into that equation?
9: Yeah, I, I, as I said here, I, I could see him uh, being a guy that's going to eat a lot of minutes. Uh, a guy that can uh, play with, with a player like Quinn Hughes. Uh, he could be a guy that he could use um, in a shutdown role because of his ability to, uh, to skate and, and his IQ. So yeah, um, uh, I, I I think uh, I, I definitely think that that is a an excitement for our staff to get Tom on board here.
1: Well, and as far as now looking ahead to day two tomorrow, you have a bevy of picks uh, in the third and fourth rounds, no picks in the second round. And given the amount of talented players, especially in the top uh, of this draft this year, uh, what are you looking at for day two? How open are you to moving picks, moving up, moving down? Uh, What are you kind of looking at for day two of the draft?
9: Well, I, I believe this first round is still going, and you guys hold me out here in the hallways. So I'm missing the last part, and I was trying to get into the first, but I guess I can't blame it on you, on you guys now. Can't believe you guys holding me up here.
1: So sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> so if you miss on a player, it's it's our fault. You can blame us, Patrick. No, there's been no, so don't. many <laughs> trades
0: made tonight that I uh, I was wondering uh, who's if anybody was even making any calls.
9: <laughs> I uh, we definitely we up here tonight, and and. Uh, you know, see uh, who the players are uh, that, that, that our staff likes and, and uh, see if there is a chance to get in for the second round. I know my, my staff is really excited about the uh, five picks we have in, in round uh, three and four. So um, hopefully we can stack up here with, with more uh, prospects.
0: As, as you look ahead to, to free agency, are you still trying to open up a little bit of cap space to be able to, to play a little bit more in that area?
9: Yeah, uh, we've been talking to a lot of teams here and, and looking uh, at options. Uh, you know, if there is a, a trade that that, that makes that sense, uh, uh, you know, um, for us to get better. And uh, uh, so far, uh, nothing really has materialized. So we'll see what the next couple of days before the for uh, July first, uh, uh, what will happen here.
1: Has the lack of uh, trade activity, and we've seen some, of course, has it surprised you given the level of discussion that there has been?
9: I I wouldn't say that. I mean, if you, you know, you go back uh, to uh, the, the, when the COVID hit and, and uh, uh, the the cap hasn't really increased as much, uh, it just just shows how hard it is uh, to make those hockey deals. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a fit for both teams, uh, and that—that's what makes it a little bit harder here. Given uh,
0: you, you mentioned, you know, it's uh, trades have been hard to come by, hard to hard to wheel and deal a little bit. Does does that make it more likely you're you, you play more with free agency on Saturday?
9: Yeah, um, and again, I, I I want to make sure we we spend our money wisely here and, and not just uh, jumping into something. Um, that's why we. Want to make sure we're going through the process and, and making sure that uh, it's it's very calculated um, and making sure the players uh, fit how we want to play and fit their roles. What we're looking for.
1: Well and as far as you know attacking those types of players I guess there's two ways right you can go after the guys who are a bit higher end but cost a bit more and then maybe guys that are still you know going to cost something but you have some flexibility on term and on perhaps uh, the number and what it is and it maybe creates a bit more flexibility might that be the easier way to go to address needs uh in free agency
9: Well uh, I think our our staff did a really good job uh you know going through this uh, last summer uh finding Guys like uh, Dakota Joshua and, and uh, uh, Neil Salmon, um, guys that, that you know we we uh, have identified and, and scouted over the year, and, and believe that there is more upside in. I I think that's uh, that's what I want to see uh, if we can you know find some of those uh, players that still have uh, um, potential to grow under under our coaching staff and, and uh, under our system. I want to play.
1: And before, before I let you go, just circling back to uh, the pick, and it, it's just us chatting here, Patrick, so, I mean, nobody's going to really listen in here anyways, but, I mean, <laughs> h- how how high uh, did you have Willander? Not to give us a number, but uh, were there a couple of players a bit higher than him that, that went above that you would have been made a hard decision for you at 11, or was he a guy that perhaps was a bit higher on your board than where he got selected?
9: Well, I, I again, uh we we have, as I said, we were chadar is doing a tremendous job to, and get the list in order. And uh, as the list checked out here, we uh, you know he was the next man up. And uh, uh, we did uh, you know uh, did we anticipate uh, the ten players going ahead of us? Uh, there was some 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 surprise for for staff, but. Uh, uh, when when we had uh, the option, as I said, to pick Tom, uh, there was no uh, second guessing for my oh uh,
0: Pretty soon, the, the running joke around the league is going to be that you only select Swedes in the first round,
9: Patrick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't believe my staff is doing that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, Patrick, uh, really, really appreciate the time as always. Uh, yeah. Still three picks left here in the first round for you to get in, okay? Uh, I,
9: I'm going to run in and see if I can do something <laughs> here, guys.
0: Thanks a lot, Patrick. Uh, okay, thanks. There is uh Patrick Alvin joining us here on uh on Canucks Central. So uh as he mentioned there, you know, maybe a, a few surprises in the in the top 10 ahead of where they selected Tom Wollander, but uh still had Tom Wollander very high on their board and uh we're very happy to select the player.
1: You know, they were. And I mean I I hear the discussions, right? And it's fair. Listen, I'm we give opinions on this stuff you know we work as hard as we can on it but i think we both admit we're not you know pro scouts or anything yes. like that like we're we're trying to give opinions the best we can and we try to educate our opinions with information for people around the league that we trust and we know and and what i keep saying about willander is and i understand people saying hey Take Benson, fair. I mean, these are really talented hockey players, man. Like, it's a really good draft. Like, it's a really good draft. You can make a case for a number of players instead of Willander, and it would have been fair. And Mm -hmm. you could have really, uh, you know, pounded a table for him, which is super great and fascinating about this year's draft. But I don't think Willander is taken here because of what somebody may project him as. Okay, you are projecting him as he's not going to be a top pairing defenseman. He's going to be a second pairing defenseman that's more defensive. Chris Tan of type, which you're like, nice, but are you taking a high pick on it? But that's not their projection yeah as you heard from patrick Alvine. oh he
0: did not like the notion that he is a defensive defenseman. (laughs) no i don't even just the mere suggestion of Of it he he like bit back at me a little bit there well
1: well, yeah and you know and i'm not i don't mean it as like you know and to support him in that case but like you know what 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 have we talked about like people that like him think he Mm -hmm. has more there's more there to his game and when you watch him play you watch him handle the puck on the blue line like honestly if you can find it's hard to find clips i had Access to a bunch of his games through somebody that I knew. It's hard to find clips on him, I yeah. know. But even on, on some of those clips, go watch to see how he handles the puck on the blue line.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You tell me that somebody can do those things and can move the way he can move, doesn't have more to offer. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be the next great offensive defenseman? No. But for a guy that could project as a really good all-around guy, I mean, I don't know, man. Like these are the types of players I love. How much do I talk about defense and two-way yep. ability? like it's, it's
0: and he played uh, as Patrick mentioned played forward uh, growing up as well so yeah. you know that's where some of that skill comes in that you are able to see in moments and certainly saw at the U18s right super like really popped at the U18s anybody yeah. that was scouting there would say man this Tom Willander kid looks unreal mm-hmm. and you know Patrick mentioned that as well it's really interesting to see where they picked him to hear Patrick talk about the player in a more sort of granular view of like the hockey type of mindset and what they are seeing when they watch him. And you can tell that they think that there's a lot more than just a defensive defenseman in Tom Willander. And earlier our, our interview with Tom Willander, Kid's got a really good head on his shoulders and has a really good idea of where he still needs to improve and what he needs to do to get there. So, yeah, uh, it's a really promising selection for the Vancouver Canucks.
1: Yeah, if you missed it, go make sure to check it out because uh, we also posed the question to him about offensive ability and he pounced on the question too. He's like, Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Like, he's like, I have so much more to offer. And it's a great situation for him to go to go to an NCAA and kind of show what you can do offensively. Like, you'll have the opportunity there, maybe not on the first power play unit or anything, but. I think he'll have a chance to showcase more offensive ability.
0: Uh, So uh, just to wrap this up, a couple of picks that have happened. Uh, When Patrick joined us, the Maple Leafs were on the clock and about to make a selection. They took Easton Cowan out of London. Uh, So an interesting pick there. Somebody uh, that was not necessarily projected to be a first-rounder, but Brad Tree Living making his first pick as
1: Easton Cowan. So you know when I said I had a list of 51 players? He was not on it? He was not on it. <laughs> Told uh, you there'd be one <laughs> There'd tonight. be somebody. Somebody. There had to be uh,
0: one. Uh, so <laughs> an interesting one there from uh, from Brad Tree Living. Uh, Theo Lindstein went at 29th overall to the St. Louis Blues. They made all of their three first-round selections, uh, much to the s- dismay of any of us hoping for trades on this night. Bunch of cowards. And Carolina has just made their pick Out of the Penticton V's, Bradley Nadeau uh, is selected uh, to the Carolina Hurricanes. All
1: right. Let's talk about this guy, Gavin Brinley. I mean, you want to talk about Bradley Nadeau? uh, Sorry, Bradley Brinley. I was thinking, Gavin Brinley. This guy's still thinking about Gavin Brinley. Hasn't been drafted yet. I mean, I I was already performing a take about how. That's
0: the Wolverine meme with (laughs) Gavin Brinley in the photo.
1: I'm, like, projecting right now. That would have depended <laughs> it if they picked him out on I head. would have, probably somehow. <laughs> well, not that, if
0: Willander was on the
1: board. No, well, I would have been disappointed. Yeah. Um, But I was already thinking about a take about how, for, for day two, how he's really somebody to watch. Could be a steal of day two. But Bradley Nadeau, he was also somebody that I was like, man, if he's there in the second round, I mean, this is an intri- intriguing player. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who lit it up uh, with the Pentecton V's at the BCHL level? Yeah, my goodness, Dan. I mean,
0: clearly a cut above the rest of the league. Yeah, not even close. Not even close.
1: So, the like—is he as quick as you know uh, Bedard and those guys? No, obviously. But his goal scoring, his ability—it's it's pretty elite, and the
0: shot is very um, elite. I think it's one of the best. Like, from what I've seen uh, in some of the, the players that I looked at, he had one of the best shots in, in the draft.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like, so it, it was Mitch Goff, obviously, Bedard number one. We mentioned Barlow, of course. Yep. And Nadeau found himself in that discussion, too.
0: Nadeau in that conversation, yep.
1: Yeah, it was also in that discussion. So I think he's a guy that has a lot of upside. And you know what I love about this pick for Carolina is that's exactly the type of player they need. Now, sure, not the prototype. You need a bigger one, faster one, and all that. But what do we talk about them? need goal scorers long-term. They don't have enough of them, Mm -hmm. you know? So in four or five years, you want to keep this kind of thing going, and you have Aho there long-term. You needed somebody who can score next to him, and you have Sveshnikov. Maybe Nadeau is that guy in a few years that closes that gap.
0: He uh, has that potential because the shot, it uh, it definitely pops. Yes, And uh, he looks like a guy that's got an NHL shot already and could score at the NHL level. All right, more on the Canucks, and the final two picks of the draft coming next on Draft
9: Central. I wouldn't have uh, Tom as a uh, uh, defensive defenseman. I, I think he's more of a the, the transitional defenseman, the guy who's who's making sure the puck goes up ice quickly. Uh, his ability to join the rush, um, you know, his uh, regroup and, and neutral zone uh, uh, is really impressive. How he, he's able to move the puck, see the see the see his options. Uh, And I think in today's game, you've got to have uh, uh, players who uh, are willing to go down and pick up the puck and and deliver the first pass, and that's that's the intriguing part for Tom.
7: There
0: is uh, Patrick Alvine on Tom Willander. Uh, The 32nd pick of the NHL entry draft is coming. It is the Vegas Golden Knights.
6: The Vegas Golden Knights would like to congratulate David
8: Poyle on a tremendous career as a general manager in the National Hockey League. And echo the comments of many of my previous colleagues thanking him for his mentorship and uh, leadership in the game. So all the best to you in the future, David. The Vegas Golden Knights are pleased with the 32nd selection in the first round of the entry
6: draft to select from Forlunda, Sweden, David Edstrom.
0: Uh, David Edstrom is the final pick of the NHL's first round. And we go into tomorrow with a lot more selections to take place. David Edstrom, a player we talked about yesterday with uh, Ufe Bodin.
1: Yeah. Uh, so he makes it into the first round and uh, I'm glad he did. And as you mentioned with Ufe Bodin, we were hi- we were right to hype yep. uh, somebody from Sweden to get into the first round. And there he is. That's, that's uh. Edstrom, David Edstrom, and make sure to go check it out on the podcast if you missed it, because you want to get to know these Swedish prospects, including Tom Willander, who the Vancouver Canucks selected at 11th overall.
0: Uh, so we heard uh, from uh, Patrick Alveen there uh, in our exclusive conversation with him about the first round pick and what's to come for the rest of the week. NHL draft coverage is brought to you by the Vancouver Giants, showcasing NHL prospect talents, including... 16th overall pick, Samuel Honzik and Jaden Lipinski, who will uh, be drafted tomorrow, likely to be drafted tomorrow. Come watch NHL Talent in action this season. Go to VancouverGiants.com slash tickets. You heard the clip coming in off the top before we went to the final pick of the first round. Patrick Alvine sees Tom Lander as much more than just a defensive defenseman. So those that... uh, we're saying, oh, uh, how could you draft a defensive defenseman, stay-at-home guy, over a Zach Benson? Uh, the Canucks clearly, their evaluators see a much brighter future than
1: just a stay-at-home defenseman for
0: Tom Willander.
1: They certainly do, and they should, and that's that's why you draft him at eleven. You don't draft him at eleven if your projection is he's not going to be this. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just don't. And and I think that w- with the level of conviction mm-hmm. that not only the player had when asked about what he wants to be and how he wants to win championships and be out there in every situation imaginable. Also from the general manager when, you know, you mentioned he bit back on the notion that he's a defensive defenseman, but also how much offensive upside he has. Yes. Like he, you know, there there was, there was conviction in how he responded. And I think when you have that, there's belief. And I think that belief comes in, comes true and he didn't want to answer it, but I think it's pretty clear that they kind of viewed him as a top 10, nine prospect
5: mm-hmm. here.
0: And there was some uh, there was some intrigue to look back at the top few picks of the draft. You oh, know, yeah. Leo Carlson went second overall. We were not feels, yeah.
1: expecting him to go to the Anaheim Ducks. That's like a lifetime ago now. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> Leo Carlson goes second overall. Feels it like it three happened. hours ago. <laughs> yes, so it feels like a long time ago now. But yes, uh, so he. He goes that was the overall. first surprise of the night, and I loved it. And you know what? I, I think the the draft got off to a pretty good bang with yeah. that that surprise. I think it was good. The only thing lacking, like you mentioned, was trades. Not a single trade happened. Yeah. in the first round this year, which is pretty disappointing. But outside of that, I think um, that was a really nice surprise, and also another pretty big one came not too long afterwards. Yeah, as well. So it was it, it, it was a really nice, it was a really fun top ten getting to eleven. Mm-hmm. for Vancouver, like especially for Canucks fans. Uh, I think most of the intrigue and, and excitement happened in that that early going. So it started off with a pretty good bang. Uh,
0: you had Reinbacher go five to Montreal. Yes. And we all thought, oh, okay, that uh, means Ryan Leonard or Mitchkov or Dvorsky is going to go six here to Arizona. And uh-uh, <laughs> no, they go with Dmitry Simashev, uh, another defenseman. Um, he goes sixth overall. So that was the big jumper. In the first round, Simashev was more projected to go in the, the teens, but obviously that doesn't happen here. He goes six to Arizona. Seven is Michkoff to the Philadelphia Flyers, Leonard to Washington, and then Detroit surprises with Nate Danielson yes. at nine, who <laughs> you know we think the Canucks had an eye for as well. Yeah. They interviewed him a couple of times. We mocked Danielson to the Canucks in our final mock draft yesterday here on the show. And it still left Dalibor Dvorsky on the board at number 10 for St. Louis. And, you know, when we were going through it in the moment, you know, it almost kind of felt like, um, 2010 or sorry, yeah. not 2010, uh, 2019 yeah, draft really in that. Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, Zegris was still on the board at nine and was like, wow, the Canucks could end up with Zegris here. That's, yeah. that's pretty wild. And, Obviously, Anaheim ended up selecting him there at nine.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit different then, yep. right? But it was, but you're right. It was, it was. Like, uh, I
0: wonder if Dvorsky and uh, Willander were still on the board for the Canucks. Like, who oh, would yeah. they have selected.
1: Yeah, you're right. Cause I mean, you know, I was kind of, I wouldn't say surprised. I mean, hey, so we mentioned there's a top eight. Yes. And the only guy who didn't go in the top eight was uh, Dvorsky. Dvorsky, who went 10, but still went in the top 10. So I think, you know, in that term, I think we we, we, did, a, we did a good job in general finding mm-hmm. out the, the top end of the draft. And, and Shimishev you know, the guy you've been talking about so much, and you kept saying he, he maybe he jumps into into the top 10, and he does, you know. So it wasn't even a huge surprise. It was just that he went six. It was like, wow, like he's yeah. going six? Like maybe somehow, we you know, someone took a nine or eight or something, but he goes to number six. But I, I think, you know, overall though, it would have been maybe a tough decision because I've heard Dvorsky on a lot of teams Listen, I know Vancouver liked Dvorsky. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Vancouver met with Dvorsky in Nashville nor in Buffalo. And I think if they didn't meet with him it's because they didn't think he was going to be there. Yeah. I think there was a pretty strong sense that he's going to be gone well before number 11. And he was, but at 10 uh just
0: ahead of where the Vancouver Canucks were selecting. Uh so then they take Tom Willander. He was the third defenseman off the board after Reinbacher and Simashev, respectively. You know, it's a pick that we're going to debate for a long time. He's going to Boston University. He's not going to end up with yeah. the Canucks for quite a while just yet. And, you know, because he is committed to to going to the NCAA, you're not really going to see him at training camp or anything mm-hmm. like that. So there's uh there's going to be a bit of a wait here on Willander, but after our conversation with him, you can see and understand why not just the on-ice uh, ability of the player really captured scouts and teams around the league, but you know, he's a really impressive young man in the way that he speaks, speaks very good English, and also just uh, what he sees is what he needs to to get better at and how he views himself as a player as well.
1: Yeah. Being aware of your weaknesses and what you have to do to address those is yeah. a big part of it. And those people who are you know hungry and have the desire to do so, I think are, are the ones you're encouraged by. And you can tell why it's, it's easy to, you know, to get on board with him. Mm-hmm. They say, they say the meetings are important and you can tell probably why uh, the meeting, they were impressed with him in the meeting and going back to him coming to call uh, coming to college next season. I just can't say how, how big a move that is Mm -hmm. and for a player who could actually you know play in the shl next season and perhaps even make a little bit more money if he wanted to for him to you know want to come and play college hockey i think it shows a lot of commitment and proper commitment for him and the other part about it too is he's smart like he knows in sweden especially based on the fact they know he's going to leave and everything Mm -hmm. the decisions that get made on ice time and roles aren't always based on best player it's based on how it's going to work there And he didn't want to get caught in that situation. So I think it also shows you how aware he is of his surroundings and what's best for his development. And players that have that mindset usually succeed, at least getting to the NHL. And then we'll see if his skill set really does develop, you know. And if it truly does, I think we'll be really excited about this. I think, you know, if we see him in two or three years here, Dan, um, I think we're going to see a player that we're going to look at and say, this is the type of player that this team has really been missing.
0: So... The Canucks take Tom Willander. They do not have a second round pick, but they have a couple of, well, they have multiple selections in the third and fourth rounds. We spoke to Patrick Alvin. Really, I I think now the focus is and continues to be how they set themselves up for free agency. Alvine does not seem to be all that um, optimistic that they'll be able to make any sort of trades. And that means they'll be looking to free agency in order to fill out some of the holes that they have on this roster.
1: Yeah, and I think you know he mentioned we have to be cognizant and careful with our cap space. That screens to me uh, being more in the bargain bin, which is going to be, um, which is going to be kind of the Teddy Bluger types. Yeah, down the middle. We saw David Kampf I mean, get...
0: Bluger got to it like eh. after Comp got two point four to two point five over four years.
1: Yeah, so. I think... Bluger might cost a little bit. Yeah, I don't think he's going to cost the same. Not the same, but... So, but he might be between, you know, 1.75 and 2. Yeah. Which I think... I think that's the cost of... If you want to get a a guy you can rely on on the third line, I think that's the going rate for it. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think it's if you get him for like two years, even three, and the rate is $2 million or less, it's a manageable contract. And given what he can do and how he can PK and he has speed and he's, you know, good on the draw... At the very least, it can be your fourth line center, give you depth and be on your team. And I think in a bottom six role, that's fine. So, I so even though it's a free agent price, I think it's something you can live with. It's going to be interesting what they do on defense. Yeah. Because we've heard the names they are linked with Ian Cole. Earth mentioned, I know Friedman also mentioned that the belief is Ian Cole is coming to Vancouver and it's going to be a short-term contract. You know, two or three years, potentially. Multi-year deal, but yeah. two to three years. Two to three years, potentially. Um, I'd guess on the two-year side, but mm-hmm. we'll see. And if it's under three million, okay. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the type of deals we're looking at here. The other question is, are they also going to add a righty defenseman? If you bring Ethan Bear back, yeah, which they haven't yet decided on,
0: they would have to qualify him by Friday.
1: You're probably not going to be in the righty defenseman market really. Yeah, it's going to be hard to be in it, right? But if you don't bring him back,
0: you might sign a league min type. Yeah, of player.
1: Yeah, but if not, then maybe you're looking at a Justin Hall, mm-hmm. Luke Shen. And the other thing he mentioned, which I thought was interesting, and he's mentioned this before, they're going to look for more Dakota Joshua types. Yeah, which is cheap players who we think we give a chance to, and they can, they can, they can hit. They've
0: they've identified who those players are already,
1: yeah. and maybe even some uh, European players. You mentioned Niels Olmán. Yeah. So he didn't mention just Ufas from North America. He mentioned a guy they signed from Europe.
0: So a lot still on the table for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, do they have the ability to jump into the second round? Well, they have multiple picks in the third and fourth. So there is always that possibility. We'll see if they end up doing that tomorrow. Before we sign off, Sat, uh, do you have a couple of names that are intriguing to you that did not move in the first round of the NHL entry draft? The list of 51.
1: Yes, yes. Who's the list still of 50- on the list? Uh, a, a number of them. Gavin Brindley. Yes. Um, may- maybe topping the list, he's very much on it. Andrew Crystal, the local boy that is super talented, doesn't go in the first round. He's also a guy to really keep an eye on. Jaden Perron, another talented winger. Uh, is he a guy that maybe goes in a third round even, mm-hmm. but if he's there in the second, somebody to keep an eye, eye on. Ethan Gauthier, a right winger but could play center. Uh, had a solid season, has some projectability. He's a guy to keep an eye on. Riley Height, he's still available. He's a guy who has some talent. Uh, Grayson Sautchen. Yeah, A guy that some view as a top 15 prospect. He was not drafted mm-hmm. in the first round. So is he a guy that you keep an eye on? And uh, maybe, just maybe, at some point in the second round, we'll have people say, why isn't anyone taking Callan Lind, who is the <laughs> brother of Cole Lind, who is another guy to keep an eye on as well in this year's draft? Are we doing this again? <laughs> I don't know about Vancouver, but hey, he's a prospect in this year's draft. And, and hey, yeah, he is a decent prospect. Felix Nielsen? the lefty center Mm -hmm. who we talked about uh, with Ufe Bodin the other day on Canuck Central. He's also another guy. Lucas Dragasevich, righty defenseman. Cameron Allen, another righty defenseman. Caden Price, a lefty defenseman uh, who is pretty talented. Bo Ake, another righty. And I'll I'll give the Italian name to you. Luca Cagnoni. Lefty defenseman. He's also available. And Aram Minitian, a righty defenseman. Those are some names to keep an eye on. That's a bit of a uh, you know, rapid list, fire yeah. list for you. Um, but yeah.
0: It's a lot of names there and uh, some really good ones. Uh, there's also Tommaso De Luca that I really like. There we uh, go. Salvatore Guzzo looks like a, a fine player to me.
1: It sounds like a soccer player.
0: Tristan Bertucci is uh, somebody I definitely would have my eye on. In, uh, in day two of the draft. And uh, can't forget my guy, uh, Matteo Fabrizzi, as well. So uh, some real good names that could uh, be going on day two. And actually, I'll, I'll throw out another name um, on a more serious note. Anton Wahlberg, uh, a player that uh, I would keep an eye on in day two as well. Not related Six- to
1: Mark. Yeah.
0: Uh, not related to Mark at all, uh, but 6-3 center out of Sweden. And uh, I liked a little bit of the tape that I uh, was able to see in the last few days. Well oh, Reach
1: makes his call. Uh, so we won't be here for day two coverage. Yes. We did our live coverage today extensively, but we'll be there for the wrap-up. And we'll be talking to uh, scouting director Todd Harvey mm-hmm. amongst other guests. Uh, Shane Malloy as well to break down what the Canucks do on day two and much, much more tomorrow. And maybe uh, some of the
0: extra Canucks picks if uh, they aren't on the show earlier in the day. The draft coverage starts 9 a.m. tomorrow with uh, Jamie and Bick. So uh, you can get every single pick of the second round. All of the Canucks picks uh, in the third and fourth rounds and everything else to come, hopefully. There are some trades, some movement on day two of the NHL entry draft after there was not a single trade here on night one. NHL draft coverage is brought to you by the Vancouver Giants, showcasing NHL prospect talents, including Samuel Hanzik, who was drafted 16th overall today, and Jaden Lipinski, who's expected to go tomorrow. Come watch NHL talent in action this season. Go to VancouverGiants.com tickets off of draft central for producers josh and eddie my co-host sat i'm dan you've been listening to canuck central